This is 6 News at 6 with today's top story. One of the biggest stars in Tejano music, Corpus Christi's Selena, is dead. The woman suspected of shooting Selena is still holding police at bay. You're looking at a live picture right now coming to you from navigation where the standoff continues. She has a gun and has it pointed at her head. It's our top story tonight, Friday, March 31st, 1995. Art and Jacob to America is presented by the good people at the Bod Belly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the Central University. A study on why it's real. A study on why it's called Democide. Google it, folks. Democide. Google it, folks. The world's coming to an end. Everybody wanted everybody. All the details about the line that we had in our possession, had in our possession. There's an old saying in Tennessee, I know it's a Tennessee, Tennessee, I know it's a Tennessee, Tennessee, this is shame on shame on shame on you, shame on you. It fooled me, we can't get fooled again. It fooled me, we can't get fooled again. All right, everybody, welcome to episode 187. Are we at 187 right now? 187. 187 on the motherfucking cop. And if it's 188, I apologize, but we're keeping that joke in because it's too good to pass up. Anyways, I'm your host in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me is the brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. And millions. What's up, guys and gals? Hey, if you're feeling like you don't have the energy, you're feeling like you are just lacking it in the bedroom... Guys, check out Caveman Coffee. Go to cavemancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory of coffee. The hibiscus tea is my personal favorite because I don't really drink coffee. But I do drink their decaf. Um, amazing stuff. They got hats. They got hoodies. They got sweatpants. I was going to buy some sweatpants and wear them today, but I figured I might as well get my sister because her birthday's coming up and get her a gift instead. But anyways, maybe I'll get her some sweatpants. Um, but yeah, check out the entire inventory. Type in America at checkout. That will re- help you receive 15% off. And that 15% goes to helping the podcast grow. So we can... Jacob just bought this fucking halo light that's, like, beautiful, man. Like, I, I'm... It's like the last thing you see before you die. Yeah, that's this is what I imagine death is like. Um, <laughs> um, so, guys, go to capemancoffee.com. Type in America at checkout. It helps the podcast. And when you're drinking your coffee or wearing your hoodie or wearing your hat... Take a picture of yourself. Tag us. Tag them. It helps us. It helps them, and we appreciate it. Hell yeah. So speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you check out the great, the powerful, the flavorful El Yucateco Hot Sauce. Guys, the kings of flavor since 1968. That is 50 plus, over 50 years of fucking flavor town right there. And guys, it is the holiday season, and El Yucateco makes a perfect stocking stuffer. I mean, you can actually make this like the main course present. I mean, yeah, the stocking stuffer is kind of like the hors d'oeuvres, if you will, or whatever. Um, you can buy El Yucateco as a stocking stuffer, or you can, you know, buy it as the main main attraction or whatever, the main gift or whatever. It's it's beautiful. And just like Caveman Coffee, they got shirts, they got hats, they got like kiss the cook aprons and stuff. They got 
cornhole. You got LU Tackle cornhole games you can buy. And I do realize that I'm making a Christmas reference, but it is currently right now. It is the Christmas season, and if you're one of those fucking peasants that don't listen to us live or, you know, within the week that this episode is dropping, still go to lucateco.com, enter promo code DOAMERICA, and buy yourself, you know, some stocking stuffers or some hot sauce, you know, for a present, you know, for whenever Christmas is. So if you're listening to this in July, buy some hot sauce, because hot sauce is forever, just like Wu-Tang Clan and True Love's Kiss. Oh, yeah. Either (laughs) one you can't fuck with so yeah that's true and don't break your neck that's true so speaking of breaking your neck that is a horrible transition uh but art what are we going to be talking about this today selena the life and eventual death of the tejano queen tejano queen (laughs) art i I thought that was enough okay i thought selena was enough, but she's also a latin invasion queen (laughs) And if you missed the Patreon, we were talking about Ricky Martin and uh, Lou Vega and uh, Mark Anthony. We were ta- we were having a good conversation. George W. Bush dancing with Ricky Martin. You what know was what was Mark Anthony's hit? He had a hit song. Oh shoot, what was it? No one wants to be lonely or something like that. No one wants to love me. <laughs> he owns like three percent of the Miami Dolphins. What? How? People felt bad. They just gave three percent. Here you go. <laughs> Anyways, guys, with that awkwardness, I would. It's not just going to be me and Art talking about you know the life and death of Selena, but we have another special guest with us today: the great, the powerful Yadira Guerrero Borbin. Sure. Yes. There we go. <laughs> I don't know if you're one of those like people that are just like, no, I'm keeping my maiden name. He took my last name. You know what? My parents came to this country, so I'm gonna have as much as possible. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take both names. Oh, okay? there you go. Selected names here. You're like Warren G. You want it all, baby, huh? I do. I want it all. Thanks for having me, guys. That's no problem. It's been a long time coming. Yeah. So we we go way back, and um, it's really cool to see you guys. First of all, I'm able to catch your podcasts, and um, it's just it's just fun. It's it's great when you knew someone from so long ago and a lot of the same humor is still there. Thank you. Um, and so it's kind of nostalgic, you know, but um, you guys are hilarious and also well-researched, which I really appreciate. Hell yeah. Um, That's all I, him. <laughs> it's all this I guy. Know, but, I was, I, I, but I was being, you know, de- de- I was just trying to be nice. Uh-huh. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I made a post in the official Art and Jacob Do America Facebook group because I always want to approach like topics like these, like with some kind of sensitivities. You know, I realized Selena, we're like a dick and fart joke, you know, podcast with some intelligence behind it, like you dear just said. However, you know, like when it comes to topics like this, like where you have somebody that meant so much to so many people, I wanted to reach out to because I do realize there's a lot of people that listen to the show that actually love Selena because like since 2017, a lot of people have been suggesting this topic. And I just kind of felt like, you know, maybe now was like the right time to do it. You know, like the technology's there, the the lighting is there, like everything is just there perfect for it. So I put out, you know, the feelers to everyone just like, hey, you know, give me your give me your feelings, your thoughts and of, you know, the life and death of Selena, you know, and I'll add it on to the show. And um, your husband, uh, Chris, he suggested you actually jump on the show, which I'm glad that he did. So um, if you want, you know, just to kick off the show, like just tell us a little bit like what did Selena mean to you growing up? Yeah, so um, Selena for me, I think there's just so many different kind of 
levels to it that I was about probably five or six the first time I heard her music. My daddy's from Texas. Uh, he's from El Paso. And um, my mom's from Mexico. And I've always been really into Tejano music. Uh, my, my mom's dad lived with us and he was a mariachi. So music was always in my home. And when I say in my home, I mean eight guys practicing mariachi in my backyard. Wow. My friends, Susie and Debbie would come over and we're like, ew, what's that? <laughs> and so I kind of, uh, and you guys, like I said, have known me for a while. So you might've seen this kind of, um, I feel like a lot of times I was two different people or um, a person in between having to choose who I was going to be in a particular conversation, mm-hmm. um, which I think is true of a lot of first generation um, Latinos. And so when I first heard Selena, um, my dad was friends with a lot of the local DJs here in town. And so he would uh, he would come home and he'd say, hey, I got you this. You know, my buddy sent you this. And I, I, I get to know a lot of up and coming artists that way. Um, and so one day he came home and said, hey, there's this really cool young girl and she's doing Tejano music. Here you go. And I was like, cool. And I would run to my room, you know, because um, it was the cool thing to do. And so I think uh, I think I was probably like six. Yeah. When he gave me the first uh, album and it was her Tejano stuff. And I was like, I mean, as soon as I heard the music, I was like, oh, this is cool. It's a little bit more contemporary rather than mm-hmm. the stuff that my dad listened to. And then I heard her voice. And I was like, how old is she? And he was like, I think she's like 12 or 14 or something. Yeah. She's like, she's like, you know, barely older than you. And I was like, what? I was just totally blown away. And I just, I couldn't stop. Like my mom would come in and say like dinner. And she'd be like, I swear to God, if you don't turn that off. <laughs> and so I just kept telling my dad, any, any more of this that I can have anything, any small recordings, any interviews, mm-hmm. tell them I want more. And I'd always go into the the radio station and say hi to the guys too. And so they would, you know, they'd give me free stuff. But um, then I saw a picture of her Mm -hmm. and I was like, you know, when you, you imagine this person, it just, you never know what to expect. But I was like, Oh, she kind of looks like me. Like, it was just this, like, if you can't see it, you can't be it. You know, Mm -hmm. We, we talk about that a lot. Like I do STEM education, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. And I always talk about that. I always promote, you know, equity and access because, you know, if I don't see another female engineer, how am I going to think that I can be that in this Mm -hmm. world? And I think when I saw that, I was like, wow. And then, you know, my dad would give me these little like tidbits of information on her. This is before the internet. And he, he told me when he was like, Hey, you know, I just found out about that girl that you love Selena. And I'm like, what? She doesn't speak any Spanish. I was like, what? (laughs) And it's like, she doesn't speak any Spanish. The guy said, apparently they've seen some interviews and stuff and she only speaks English and she has to memorize the music. And I was like, like Linda Ronstadt. And he was like, yeah, like Linda Ronstadt. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, because, um, you know, Linda Ronstadt, she did a, a Spanish album in the nineties uh, with mariachi and she had to learn, she had to memorize everything. Mm-hmm. So it was all kind of piecing together. Like I had someone that I could kind of really look up to um, and then getting her interviews and seeing her personality really shine through, like I would every, you know, few years would pass and there'd be a new album that I would get from my dad. And then eventually, you know, they had like a cover with her picture on them. Um, and I just, every style that she had, as it moved more into Gumbia, I loved that too, of course. And being able to share that with my family and a big part of like Latinos, like in the nineties, and before that, like your exercise was like dancing in the living room as a family. 
And so we would dance around and my parents would encourage me to like sing because I sang a lot with mariachi and, and it was just, it was really cool that, you know, I, I found, I found someone that was not only this obviously beautiful and talented. Yes, we all know that, but I really appreciated her leadership skills and how graceful she was when she kind of dominated the world. Like sometimes, you know, you get a lot of aggression in leaders, Mm -hmm. uh, which is great. It's that drive and that push, but she was so graceful that I don't know. It was like watching like a ballet or something, everything about her, her movements were so, um, so unique. And so I, I had this like love and this, um, this admiration for this person. And I would go to school and there was no one to talk to about it. Oh, so wow. I was in the gate program in elementary school and none of my other classmates spoke Spanish. Uh, I was the only um, Latina for a very long time. And then I went into junior high and everyone's talking about nine inch nails, which I love, of course. Yeah. And I love like whole and no doubt. And, you know, Hanson, I was also known for loving Hanson. <laughs> Same here. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know all my dark secrets too, so. About Selena, when people would ask, like you guys asked, like, what's your what's your favorite, uh, you know, cold case file? Like, well, who's your favorite singer? It was like Selena, without mm-hmm. a doubt. And I could be like, this is your favorite color, and this is your favorite food, and this, 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 and this. But I was like, oh well, I mean, I I love the Smashing Pumpkins. I love Nine Inch Nails. I would always go to my second or my third because anytime I tried talking to my friends about it, they just had no idea. And even the ones that would come over to my house and be like, hey, I want to introduce you to some really cool music, and they're like can we listen to something else? I was like, sure. Okay. (laughs) And so it was, it was weird. It was like, um, I don't know. It was this not secret, but this part of Yadira, it was like, I guess Yadira versus Yadira. And so I kind of have always felt that way. So for me, having someone like her who didn't speak English and was crossing over into this, you know, world and, and just decided I'm just going to be me. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to learn Spanish that quick. I'm just going to go for it and dive in. And people loved her for it. You know, she was very transparent and, um, and then getting to work. I think when you're a musician working, the idea of working with your brother and your sister in a band, right. Mm-hmm. And like your dad's like a part of it too. It was kind of what I had going on at home already. Mm-hmm. Like we were all musicians and singers and, and stuff. And so, you know, it was kind of like, Selena kind of rhymes with Yadira. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, my favorite color is purple too. Oh my god! <laughs> and so, um, I don't know. There was just like my first mariachi song I sang on stage at the Kern County Fairground. Hell yeah! Oh, that's nerve wracking. I I loved it though because I got to sing like well, it's not a Selena song. It doesn't tu, tu solo tu isn't her song. She no. she redid it, but I sang it. And I remember getting off stage and my grandpa was livid. He was like that's not how we practiced it. You sang it like Selena. I was like, <laughs> are you serious? And he was like, you said, you sang it exactly like her. That's not what we had practiced. And I was like, oh, you swear. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to chastise you, but it was the ultimate compliment. It was amazing. And it just was this like realization of like, I can be a singer because he would tell me all the time. Like you have a very deep voice. No one's going to want to hear that. Like you need to sing higher. And so like, I think she was just kind of my, my inspiration to just like, I'm just gonna be me like she's having fun and 
and wearing whatever she wants. I love that about her too. Like she had her own boutique, her own like line of clothing that we were too broke to buy, but my mom let me sign up for the catalogs. <laughs> and I, I would circle all the stuff that I was going to buy one day, like right like now. Yeah. I, I plan on buying it in my 30s to wear. You can go on eBay. Um, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of what um what she she kind of just meant that much to me. And um and so I don't know what we'll probably get to the losing, losing yes. that later. So you guys both have a pretty like I think you said you all you, you used to play with a doll. <laughs> no, so <laughs> I didn't play with a doll, but um no it's it's funny you said that like those two dichotomies of living in two different worlds because you know as our our listeners know and like i've had to like you know plead with everybody i've ever known in person like i am half mexican even though i look Mm -hmm. white as shit and that's always like been like my like dual identity as well where it's just like for seven years i grew up with my dad who's like probably the most mexican person like i've ever known or met or of all time right and so like always my memories would be that like my dad would get off from work and he didn't live with us, but he would hang out with us until like I would have to go to bed. And so we would always either watch, you know, um, like if there was boxing or wrestling on, or we would watch like, you know, the Spanish channels like Univision or Telemundo or whatever. And like, there was always like those shows. So like, I'm very familiar with like, you know, Spanish television. And like, there was always like those like variety shows that would come on and you would like see like these, you know, you know, Vicente Fernandez or Ramon Ayala, or, like all these, like, you know, th- these, these acts that would play or whatever. And like, you know, random cumbia acts or, you know, Tejano acts or whatever. And like on Gigante and Johnny Canales, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Johnny will come up yeah. later on too. And so mm-hmm. I would watch these, and I'd be like, oh, okay, like super bored or whatever, because it was like I I didn't know Spanish, you know. Like my dad would try to teach me, like you know, like cholo Spanish, like qué pasó ese dame cinco, like all this like shit. <laughs> and so I like go and say it to like the most like you know Mexican kid I like know at school, and he'd be like, what the fuck are you saying? But one day. <laughs> I remember, like, I, like Art was saying, I was playing with, like, my Legos. Like, I was obsessed with Legos. And I just remember, like, hearing, like, the most angelic voice I had ever heard. And I was like, wow, I fucking, this sounds really good. Like, it wasn't anything that, like, was boring me, like, before. And I was like, wow, I'm really into this. I don't understand what the hell's going on. And like you were saying, like, you, you hear it and you're like, I, I really love it. Like, and you look, go to look up. And it's like the the actual image of this person singing it is like the most beautiful image I had ever seen of anybody. It was like at that moment, like I knew I liked girls. And so I remember like building like this Lego house and like at the end of like, you know, the performance, you know, they said, you know, Selena, y los dios. And I was like, I'm building a house for me and Selena to live in. It's so like, <laughs> and it was like nothing like pervy or anything like that. I was like maybe six or seven years old, but it was like one of those, like I look back at it, like now that I have a son and like anytime this like one weather girl comes on the like news station, like he like stops everything he does and like stares at her. And I look at that and it's like one of the most like, like cutest things ever. Cause it was just like, Oh, like I love this girl. And, like, every time Selena would, like, come on, like, TV, like, she it would just, she would, like, win you over, like you said, like, with her grace. And to me, like, it was always, like, her personality. Like, she was very, like, fun and just, like, you, the, there's a passage in the Bible that says, like, the eyes are the windows into your soul. And, like, you'd always, like, for me, I would always, like, look at Selena's eyes and, like, just be captivating. You could just tell, like, this is, like, a genuinely 
good person, you know, in like a world full of shit. You know, it's like the early nineties, like, you know, LA riots are going on, like the channel up from this or whatever. And it's just like you just see this basically this angelic person right there in front of you. And I just remember all the way up until like ninety five, just like being like that one white kid <laughs> in a very Mexican school that could like relate to like all these people that were like super obsessed with Selena. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was pretty, it's pretty powerful. I mean, I know Art, you said like, it sounds terrifying being on stage at the fair and performing, but like, that's how she got her start was um, she had to fight her way to, to play fairs, fairgrounds. She just like her first tour basically was just as they were kids, they would just go to fairgrounds and play. It was like the only place that would, that would hire them really. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like their food money. Like yeah. their dad, like, was like, okay, I lost my job, so I'm going to do this full time and be your guys' manager. And I mean, there was a lot of pressure there, but like, you could never tell. She just, I mean, I, and I can relate now being in a band, I wouldn't consider myself super social. Uh, I have a lot of anxiety. I have stage fright. And every time I'm on stage, I, there's just this like, my heart stops having to go out there. It makes me feel kind of sick. And then the music starts. And I don't really, re- I don't want to say I don't remember, but like something happens, I guess. And for that 55 minute set or whatever it is, it's, it's just something else. Spiritual. And like, yeah, it really is. And I, I can see that like, and I've, I mean, I've seen probably every interview she ever had and her talking about how like, you know, she, she was just like super lucky to be able to do this with my family and we're out here hustling and, you know, thanks for the support. Like, it's just like, you just you just do it because there's, it's like this calling she had, you know, to like connect mm-hmm. with people, I think. Yeah. She was, she was like, literally like every time I see like a performance and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into like her last performance. Um, like she, you could just tell like she, she was doing what she was put on this earth to do. Like there's mm-hmm. like certain people you see, like, like a Michael Jackson, which I like the more, like I kept researching her life, like the more, like I kept seeing like parallels between like the Jackson family, like and Joseph, the dad and the Quintanillas. Like, it was just like, Oh my God, like this is like the Mexican version of like the Jacksons. But Mm -hmm. you know, to that point though, it's like, you see Michael Jackson, like, Oh, there's a guy that was meant to sing and dance and bring, you know, joy and entertainment to like the millions and millions of, you know, billions of people across the world. And that's the same thing. I look at Selena. So it's like no coincidence that like she had so much crossover to the point, like I'm looking at YouTube videos of like people like doing the same, you know, either podcast or video cast, you know, and they're like have no Mexican background. I'm talking like, you know, some white person from like Michigan or like some, you know, somebody from Germany or, you know, I saw what was the weirdest one. Like it was like some like North Korean, you know, podcast or whatever. Like they're talking about Selena and they're talking about it like with tears coming down their cheeks and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, OK, yeah, that's I mean, if you believe in a God, like whatever or energy or whatever, like that energy, that entity created Selena. And that's what she was meant to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty trippy. Uh, I, I always this is one of those like topics that like I always I've always felt like an outsider to the whole Selena thing just because I didn't grow up with Selena. Like, my parents mm-hmm. didn't listen to Selena. Like, they listened to everything that was Spanish that they would listen to was older. Like, Selena was younger people music, mm-hmm. you know, in their eyes. And really, it was because, like, we were like, if we listened to something Spanish, it was like Los Angeles Azules or something like that. Like, that's what I grew up with. Like, that was my, like, like here's something Latin. Like, it's it's that that that's my, like, background. That's what I knew. 
And when I got into music, you know, those early years, like it was like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre. Like that mm-hmm. was like really like groundbreaking shit to me. So like I still remember the day that she died, like or I, the day after, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, my good buddy Ross, he like we're like in elementary school and he's like, dude, I can't believe my favorite singer ever died. And, like and he was talking about Selena uh-huh. and I was just like crazy like. I, I I was like just like not like that's not what I listen to like ever like but I can definitely see like the influence like the way you 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 framed it it was like way way bigger than like just a musician and like mm-hmm. the confidence and you're right like it sometimes it just takes seeing someone do it in order to like actually like give you the confidence to actually do it like I I I for years I've always struggled with like this like kind of like identity of like you know like be, for the most part like i listen to we, we both like listen to like a pretty like wide range of like musical like acts or whatever but for the most part it's a lot of like rock based stuff mm-hmm. like dr- you know drum based music or whatever and like for the most part it's like a lot of white people like so to be like a, a mexican person into that it's like you sold out like you're kind of like a sellout for listening to like whatever it may be and the schools we all three of us we went to um that was like a very heavy thing too. Like if you were Mexican, you, you had to have a Raiders jacket. You had to listen to fucking low Rob or whatever. And if you deviated away from that, Oh, you're a fucking white boy. Okay. Oh, yes. White girl all the way with my doc Martens. Constantly. Yeah. yeah. And then if you were white, you have to be a skater. You have to look like Sean from boy meets world. Like you have to listen to fucking uh Marcy playground or whatever, like fucking cool. Like in the late nineties or whatever. And me being from, like, both areas of it, it was just, like, super, like, confusing. It was just, like, well, I like this. I like this. I like this. Like, can I just do both? Like, is that accessible? And, like, no matter – and the, and the movie kind of says it, too. Like, Abraham says it, like, in the movie Selena. And then you see it, like, in the Netflix series. And uh, Selena's husband, like, hammers it down. Like, yeah, Abe would always talk about this. But it's just, like, you know, as a you know a Mexican person in – America, you're never Mexican enough for the Mexicans from Mexico. And then, you know, you know, the Anglos that he calls them, like you're never, you know, you know, American enough for them. So you have to be double perfect. Yeah. And like being like from both cultures is just like, yeah. And then times that by 10, cause it's like, yeah, you're, you're never, you're never white enough over here. You're never Mexican enough over here. So it's like, fuck it. You know, I'm, I'm a Snoop Dogg fan. I, th- I think for, <laughs> I think for like early, like after like post high school, at, like, the kind of stuff that I was like getting into, like all of a sudden I heard like at the drive-in and Mars Volta. And like, that was like groundbreaking for me. Cause it's like the Mars Volta were like singing in Spanish. And I was like, Oh my God, like everything I've rejected for years and like really rejected, mm-hmm. like these guys are embracing mm-hmm. and like they're embracing like, like Latin based like drums and all these things. Like everything was just like, fuck, this almost sounds like, Los Angeles Azules at times. Like, yeah. this is, like, kind of what my parents... And it's funny, because I actually, like... I, t- I was taking an art class around that time period, and I met Chris. Well, I, I knew Chris, but, like, we actually, like, hit it off and became buds. And, like, just, like, meeting him around that time period, and just, like, his confidence and, like, just, like, his, like, passion was, like... There was no wall. Like, there was no, like, border. Like, oh, I'm going to stop here because I don't feel comfortable in, in this world. Like, Chris just did things. Like, he just, like that old i'm gonna embrace every everything i love like all this music that i love and he just took it in it was like so like 
those two things happening at the same time, like meeting Chris and like listening to the Mars Volta was like, bam, like life changing, like pretty crazy. Yeah. I so I so if you see Chris. The one person that I, I remember meeting him and just being like, is this guy for real? Like, <laughs> really? He just, he just, you're absolutely right. It's just like, whatever he likes, it's like someone could sit there and make fun of it all day. And he'd just be like, you're missing out and like walk away. Like it doesn't bother <laughs> him at all. I, and I think when we're younger, that's uncomfortable for us. If someone, you know, if, you, if you're different, mm-hmm. it's really uncomfortable. I know I, with a name like Yadira, I kind of had to get used to it pretty quickly, <laughs> but, um, but you know, that, that feeling we we're talking about earlier about like that social anxiety sometimes too, it comes from the fact that someone's going to be like, Oh, well that's stupid. You know, mm-hmm. or like, why are you wearing Doc Martens? You think you're white? You think you're better? Than, like, what? I just like I, it. <laughs> I and just it, like it, yeah. And it goes into the whole topic of Selena, because like, no matter if you're watching the movie, you're reading the autobiography, you're looking at YouTube video, I don't really recommend watching the Netflix series. Art and I were having a text back and forth. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it's not. I, I no. personally did, didn't really enjoy it. But, I mean, the themes are still there, where it's just like, she hammered I it home. She, <laughs> she, she was always just herself. Like no matter if, you know, like it's going down to Mexico, you know, like her dad telling her like, yeah, your Spanish has to be on point. And she's like, you know what? I'm just going to be me. You know, like I, I know I don't speak the most perfect Spanish. I'm just going to, you know, win them over. Uh, she, you know, you know, we'll get into all that, you know, once we get into the nooks and crannies of it. But like, e- even like with, you know, the whole Tejano scene, that Tejano is like pretty much like a, a form of it's like country music, traditional Mexican music, polka, believe it or not, and then <laughs> some pop influence. But with her and her brother, you know, AB, you know, they kind of like made it more younger, they injected a little bit more um, life into it where it wasn't like this male dominated you know, genre, I believe in the series, like one of the, the keyboarders, keyboardists that they were trying out was saying like Tejano music, we're going to play that. Like a bunch of like guys, like talking about drinking and raping women and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, but we're going to do it with Selena. Who's like 12 years old at this time. Who's like all about Madonna, all about like, uh, Paula Abdul, Janet Jackson and whatnot. She was like, yeah, we're just going to do it. Like, like you were saying with your husband, Chris, where it's just like, yeah, we can, why, why can't we do it? And then getting turned down, you know, multiple places because she is a woman. It's just like, well, we're just going to keep on doing it until people fall in love with it, which slowly but surely they end up doing. Yeah. True. Absolutely. Let's get into it. Cool. So uh, <laughs> now that we gave you all of our, we bled out our heart for Selena. Uh, it's time to, get, you know, for people who don't, we have, I was telling you, Daryl, like we have a very large international audience. So here's, you know, pretty much, um, the story of selena so i'm just going to kind of go in chronological order selena was born april 16th in 1971 so she would have been 49 years old right now right um in lake jackson texas and when i when i do my research i always like to look and look at the places that you know these people were born lake jackson was kind of like a man-made community uh, for the oil industry where all the employees of you know that place um, they just kind of created a city for them to live in. And it was very like middle class. Uh, Abraham, her her father, uh, had gotten a job there. But before that, like he was a musician himself uh, in a band called the Dinos. And, you know, the movie, you know, kind of explains it perfectly. You know, it's a, a band full of Mexican gentlemen from southern Texas. And um, they're having that same dilemma where it's like, 
hey, we're Mexicans playing doo-wop music. We can't really play to a Mexican audience because they want to hear, you know, the danceable, you know, cumbias and whatnot. Um, we can't really play to a white audience because still very, you know, like the racist 40s and 50s. So, like, he, he's very much, you know, he has a dream, but he has nowhere to exercise it because he's caught between these two cultures and not being able to do what he loves. So, you know, he starts his family. He gets a good paying, you know, desk job and whatnot. And um, he raises his uh, children out in uh, Lake Jackson, Texas. Um, one day, I guess, you know, like they're having like a barbecue or a get together or whatnot. And Abe's like, you know, strumming on the guitar. And then all of a sudden, his six-year-old daughter, Selena, starts singing and just starts hitting like all the notes perfectly. And, you know, no matter who you talk to, you just see like a light go off like in Abe's head, like saying like, oh, shit. This this is was the missing ingredient to everything that we needed all along. So he buys the whole family like he buys like his daughter, the oldest daughter, Suzette, buys her drums, buys uh, his, his son, A.B., a bass, you know, and they're going to start like this family band. And he quit. I think not at first he doesn't quit his job, but he starts like this restaurant, you know, in town. And, um, you know, he's just supposed to, you know, he, he the, the mortgage and everything is going to be paid like with his good paying like regular job. And then, you know, the mom and the family, like, they're going to run this, you know, Mexican restaurant, you know, because there's a bunch of white people living there. They love, like, Mexican food. And, you know, at night, the family, the family band, they're going to play to, you know, the audience. Sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, yes, that is how it happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I just get sick and of hearing were, my own they voice. Were, they were also, um, uh, what is it called? Jehovah's Witnesses at mm -hmm. the time, which is very unique for the religion to, you know, um, as a Jehovah's Witness child, you're probably not going to want to be playing bars, yeah. even if it would allow you to play bars. So a restaurant, having your own restaurant where your kids can play in a safe environment. Which is like I mentioned earlier, like we were talking about like how there was like a bunch of similarities between like, you know, the Quintanillas and the Jacksons. Like the Jacksons were also like a, a super heavy Jehovah Witness family as well. Was she Jehovah Witness up until she, when she died? I think I, she was in name so, Jehovah Witness, but like I don't think like she was practicing Jehovah Witness. I only asked because aren't uh, I don't know that much about Jehovah Witness, but aren't Jehovah Witnesses like anti like blood transfusions? Yes, so that's that's one of the things that like there's I mean you know people talk I wasn't there myself about a blood, possible blood transfusion, but supposedly there are also some reports, and I'm saying supposedly because it's based on what you hear on the radio, what you read on the internet, and it goes back and forth um, that her her injuries were just so severe anyway mm -hmm. that um like i know that they were able to get some kind of like a, a like erratic heartbeat at one point mm -hmm. when they performed surgery on her but it seemed pretty hopeless um but she was the only thing is she, she i mean she that was another one of her things is like her paving the way but again with grace like her dad giving her you know a lot of crap about her costumes like you can't wear that like you good girls don't wear a bra on stage. And she was like, what are you talking about? There's beads on it. You know, it's adorable. This is the style. And it's not like I'm doing this to hurt you, dad. It's just the world is changing. Like I'm mm -hmm. going to be me and I only know how to be me. And I think that being a Latina, <laughs> that can be really hard to uh, educate generations before you on, on those changes. That's something I'm seeing a lot with the pandemic right now as well is like, hey, it's not like I'm trying to disrespect you. It's I'm going to be me because that's why you came to this country, right? That's what you taught me. So I'm going to be me and I'm going to be really good at it. 
and I'm not trying to hurt you. And I think she did that with, with a lot of her costumes and, and the whole, you know, her religion and all that. It's a good that point. That is a good point. <laughs> and then, um, you know, after the, after a while, I guess this town in Lake Jackson, uh, since it's heavily based, kind of like where we grew up here in Kern County, you know, it's heavily based in the oil industry. In 1982, there's like this big, I guess they call it oil glut, where I guess there was more oil available than, you know, people were buying. So, you know, there there was a bunch of layoffs going on. And so Abe, like, loses his job. They lose their house. And so they really have nowhere to go. So they move to Corpus Christi. And what you were talking about earlier is just like, okay, well, we have this band, you know, Abe. He's like, this is all I know is music. And so what he does is he's like, hey, we're going to put the family, you know, we're going to put them in bars. We're going to put them, you know, in, you know, uh, quinceañeras, weddings, like wherever we can. And we're just going to play music. And at first, I believe they're called like Southern Pearl, I want to say, where they're just like little kids playing. Yes. According to the uh, movie I watched. Yeah. They were called Southern Pearl. But like they were just playing. um like old 50s songs like oh donna oh and like you were talking about where it's just like the, the dad's like hey no this is the way this is this is how we're gonna make it and you know they were making like a modest living like you know living with you know relatives and whatnot but like you were saying like they they only had enough money to you know pay for their bills pay for the gas to get to the gigs or whatever you know buy you know just the essentials just to eke by you know and then like something happens where like they I believe like uh, he's watching somebody like at, at a at a fair, and you know they just get done performing. Selena's killing it like as like a seven or eight year old or whatever, and you know there's like four or five people in the audience, and they're just kind of like we've all been there, you know, downstairs at Jerry's Pizza, you know, like where your friends are just like killing it, whatever band they're in, but there's like four people there, and they're just like, all right. That's whatever. And like Abe is like furious. Like my daughter is like the fucking second coming of Whitney Houston. Like, what are you guys not seeing? And then I guess like the next band that goes up, like, you know, is a Tejano band. And then you just see like everybody from all four corners of like the, the fair, like con- congregate, you know, to the dance floor and just tears it up. And I think that's where he got that idea where she's like, we're going to learn Tejano music. Yeah. You got to give the people what they want, man. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, the reality is she was, like, a Hispanic girl. Mm-hmm. And you think of the time period. Like, a Hispanic girl probably wouldn't make it on, like, pop radio and, like, MTV on being the next Whitney Houston alone. Uh, you would kind of need, I don't want to say a gimmick, but there wa- it wasn't an element of a gimmick there of, like, let's add this, like, Latin flavor to it. And, like, it worked. It sounded good. It's, it's it, it worked for her and, like, it... And, you know, like, bless well, his heart, because that shit sounded dope. What One thing, too, like I was thinking, like, is, like, okay, you had, like, artists before her, obviously, that were, you know, Latin. You know, you had, you know, Glory. I think, like, the next one before her was, like, Gloria Estefan. You look at her, like, yeah, like, she would sing, like, you know, the, I forgot what, like, her big hit was. Like, but it was very much just, like, pop music, but, like you said, like, with some Latin twist on it. So, it's just, like, it wasn't fully Latin music. Yeah, but that was, like, dance-based music. Mm-hmm. Like, there were other acts that were, like, contemporaries to her. Like, uh, I think I showed you that video of, like, Bibi Gaitan a long time ago. Like, Bibi Gaitan was already, like, in, like, pushing 30 around that time period. She was doing something similar to it, but she was doing it based on, like, this, like, more, like, American-style, like, pop music. 
And that's kind of what Gloria Stefan was doing. She was doing more like a like Miami dance, whatever her the Miami dance machine, yeah, the yes. Miami dance machine vibe, and like it was more Puerto Rican based or whatever. Like it was, and like there are like a lot of Puerto Ricans in the United States, but not to the point where like it's different. Like a Puerto Latin, like that's where like the things get really complicated. Where it's like. Like we like my upbringing, there was like no Puerto Rican based music that I ever listened to. Or like Cuban. it was like yeah, or Cuban. It was like like things that came from Mexico. Like it was like that's what we listened to, and it was like so no, I like something like that. Like that's what I would like know as like things that like my parents would have listened to, um, but not like Gloria Stefan. Like I remember one time when I heard a Gloria Stefan sample in a song, I showed it to my dad. And my dad was like, I don't give a fuck about Gloria <laughs> Stefan. Get this shit out of here. And it wasn't a Will Smith song. What? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I was listening to Will Smith back then. Hey, but Dad, check out this Gloria Stefan. <laughs> it was remember when Will Smith, the uh, Welcome to Miami song. Oh, yeah. There's a Gloria sense. Stefan sample in there. And I was like, Dad, check this out. But to the point, though, like it was like very much like, like you said, it would be just like, okay, here's the Backstreet Boys, right? Like doing something very American or whatever. And oh yeah, by the way, we're gonna throw like this Cuban kid in there and like Howie D. Uh, don't ask me how I know that, but um, we're gonna throw this like Cuban guy in there and like he's gonna have one song on the album. It's gonna be called Spanish Eyes. We're gonna put like a very like stereotypical like Spanish guitar in there, like and like that's gonna be like the the lat the that's gonna be the El Yucateco on top of it, right? Like it's gonna add like a little bit of flavor for one track or whatever. And like when I was looking at like previous like you know artists before Selena. And contemporarily, like, it was just, like, their best impression of, like, whatever was popping in, you know, on the charts, like, on the Billboard charts or on MTV or VH1 or whatever. Like, it was just, like, their best imitation of that. But, like, with this, like, what happened right here was just, like, no, we're totally going to immerse ourselves in the Tejano music scene. Like, there is something there. Like, yeah... Like, it it totally wasn't anything to, like, okay, like, we're going to go on the... We're going to be the next... I don't want to say the next Ricky Martin because Ricky Martin wasn't even a thing yet. Like, well, it was but, a Menudo. Yeah, Menudo, but like that was something totally different. But like it was, it's not like we're gonna be the you know we're we're aiming to be Paula Abdul like just right off the top here. Like we want to like oh this is what the people in our region want to hear, you know. So this is what we're gonna do. And so I think not even Abe like he was the only like Mexican Mexican person in the family. Like he didn't even listen to that. And like they all kind of like just studied the music like you know, like the transitions, like, you know, what keys they would use, like what instrumentation. And they would all like, like, that's what I thought was like beautiful is like they studied, like they be, they went and got a master's degree, like in Tejano music. And each one of them, like kind of like, like a basketball team, like played their role to perfection to where it's just like, okay, those like, those like small get togethers, like those quinceañeras and whatever, eventually turned into like, you know, more prosperous spots, like, you know, at the fairgrounds or like they would, you know, be like, you know, opening up for like a bigger Tejano act and whatnot to what eventually was they just became like the number one thing to see, like in Southern Texas. But that's why they sound so unique. It's because it was their unique interpretation. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a studio. It wasn't, a, you know, um, a label telling them, OK, this is the producer that makes everyone kind of sound the same. Yeah. Uh, I think with Max the Esteban. Gloria started with her own kind of type of music. There's a lot of like a disco influence. Um, and I know my family listened to like all that music of mm-hmm. all backgrounds. And then, you know, she eventually ended up in the right hands with, you know, they, they had their own family. The Miami sound, you know, was like, it's a, it's still to this day, like a family, you know, they, they have, it's, it's like their own 
I don't know, they're like royalty, right? They, they had their own sound, they created it. And, and you hear other acts that came after them. And you're like, oh, wow, they sound similar to that sound. Selena Los Dinos, when you hear Cumbia Kings now, you hear a lot of Selena Los Dinos because AB was the main songwriter for mm-hmm. Selena Los Dinos. But it's, there's something different. There's something missing. Suzette's not playing drums. Um, she's not helping produce, you know, obviously Selena's vocals are missing, but there's just, there's just a different sound to it. Um, I'm sure probably the, the tragic loss affected his songwriting as well. Um, mm. So I think that's why um, is their dad saw an opportunity and said, okay, we, you know, we can do this. Um, the Hano music too, isn't, um, I don't want to say it's not too difficult to play, but it's kind of very repetitive, like polka, that, mm-hmm. that part of like, you know, um or ska i know my 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 chris would say that yeah um, but i mean you know getting that the right tones that part's a little bit difficult but since they were kind of making up their own style they didn't really have to worry about that they ran with it and it worked for them yeah but i think the actual learning of the hano music and then the area they were in during that time was there's they could do just they could research anywhere you could go anywhere on a friday saturday night and listen to it the hano band play of several of them yeah and so um anyway and then they also too like they had like that experience previous to where like again like the jacksons like where the dad like religiously before they got into hano music like religiously like every single day like he would have his children you know playing you know suzette would play the drums ab would play the bass and like they didn't even want to do it but it was just like that exercise of like they're gonna learn it so they knew each one of them knew their instrument like like a like they had gotten a doctorate's degree in it like that's what you see like like on that final concert like the selena's final concert in the astrodome where it's just like me being a guitar player like that's the first thing that i see is just like how well is everybody playing their instrument or if they're bullshitting it or if there's actually somebody really playing it off to the side and like they're just you know mimicking it or whatnot like no like they were actually like performing it and playing it like like scientifically and that's like one thing that and was the chemistry. yeah exactly the chemistry on stage you want to watch them play you're in it it's not just them playing their parts perfectly separately mm-hmm. it's that like oh my god look they're genuinely enjoying selena looking over her shoulder at her keyboardist or whatever and they're connecting and cueing each other that's what keeps you in it mm-hmm. that's what makes you want to watch them live not just buy an album and I think them being a family too, like added like an extra element to the music where it's just like, I've been in bands before where it's just like, you have like all these different personalities coming together. Even with this podcast is like, you know, at one point we had three people there. Like you have three different personalities coming together, trying to put something together and it doesn't always come out the way you envision in your head. But like, if you're all coming from, you know, nature and nurture here, all coming from the same place, all having the same experiences, all having the same goal, having the same blood, like same education and culture just everything like there's something extra to that that like that is intangible that bleeds through in the music and like the actual love of of the family because like we were saying like they were at this time they were playing not only to to play music because they you know wanted to play music or their dad was making them but it's because this is like we need to play this you know to put food on our table to put a roof over our head yeah and ab ab was a teenager by then ab and suzette was as well and i think that you know i think we all know from being teenagers you have so many emotions and you have to put it into some sort of creative outlet right mm-hmm. um so i think that that probably was a really great time too like 
It's like, how did AB write all these amazing songs? <laughs> he was just a kid. It's like, yeah. I don't know. He was hormonal and, and pissed off probably, or like in love with like, you know, her, her or whatever. And, and so um, I think the timing of it was, I don't know, man, it was Perfect. something else. Yeah. And then like you, you said, like they, they're, they're children, like making these things. And then to, pre- to reference the Jehovah witness thing again, like that, that's, <clears throat> that's a very heavy religion to be involved with. Like I've known people that, you know, are Jehovah witnesses, you know, they can't celebrate any holidays. You know, you mentioned like they're not allowed to have blood transfusions. There's like all these rules and restrictions on you. And when you have children, you know, that are you know very hormonal or feeling all these things, you know, you got one child over here that wants to be Madonna or Paula Abdul, or you have AB, you know, he wants to talk to girls. He can't because he has a gig this Friday, he has a gig this Saturday, he has to do this on Tuesday and whatnot. And oh, yeah, by the way, they're still having to go to school, you know, and do all this, but they can't hang out with friends. You know, the, the family band comes first. So like you said, like everything that they want to do externally they have to put it into some kind of creative like format. Like you listen to a song like Como La Flor or Amor Prohibido. I'm probably butchering the fucking pronunciation of those things. Yeah, but I you, really wish you would stop doing that. <laughs> you uh, <laughs> you hear like that pain and I think there's something to it. Like Art and I always talk about that like on, you know, road trips. Like you have entertainers and you have artists. You know, an artist will put their fucking soul into the music. Like Trent Reznor is like to me like one of the, like the purest forms of an artist because like when you hear a song like Hurt, like he's putting all of his emotions into that song. Then you have somebody that's like an entertainer, like a Snoop Dogg. Like yeah, Snoop Dogg's not going to give you that same thing. But it's like when you when you have children that young, like they're able to give you both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree absolutely. Yeah, d- yeah. I mean. That's one of those things that, like, you kind of ask, you have to ask yourself. Like, you said he's also in Kumi Kings now, right? That's his, that's, that's his, his band. That's he his started Kumi Kings in the, like, early 2000s, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you could tell, like, he and, like, but his sister, the drummer, she's not in it anymore, right? Like, she's yeah, completely out of the game. Mm-hmm. She always seemed like she was not that much into, like, the project as much as everyone else was, according to the movies that I watched. <laughs> <laughs> according based on. Based on no information. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know her personally, but <laughs> I did. I think, she... I think they were all pretty in it when Selena was was there. They, they seemed pretty tired, like from what, like I don't know, from what they would even say in interviews and things like that, or even people that like I had known so many people that had been to their concerts, and I had never been to one. My greatest regret to this day. Oh man! I'm just seeing a therapist to just blame my parents for never <laughs> <they were> taking <laughs> me to Selena concert. But um, people would just say, like, you know, they were, um, and again, I was surrounded by musicians, so that that chemistry you have on stage, like that you can't fake. You know, they mm-hmm. were like, oh man, it's there. Yeah, it's there. And it's just weird to see such young people that like are that dedicated. Yeah. And, like, by, like, 1986, you know, the band, you know, keeps growing, keeps growing. It's like a snowball. It just, like, keeps until it's like an avalanche. By 1986, um, at the Tejano Music War, she actually wins Female Vocalist of the Year, uh, which is a title that she would, you know, repeat again in 1987, lose in 1988, but then go on a rampage from, like, 89 to 95, win every single year, which I think is pretty significant, considering, like, she's a female vocalist, that are like in, in like a very at this time very popular genre like i can't even begin to make 
you know, a pop music reference to that. Like somebody that just can, that'd be like somebody like winning like best artist of the year, like every single year for like basically nine straight years. Like Michael that's Jackson. <laughs> even Michael Jackson didn't even do that. Like, yeah, that, I know he didn't. Yeah. And like, he would be probably the closest. Probably. But like even him, like it was like what he, he won like the Grammy like three times, like to win like the Grammy Latin. In Grammy, what category? Uh, female vocalist of the year. Oh wow! So like you are like that, like that'd be or like the Oscars. It'd be like if a director won director of the year for like nine years, except for one year. I'm surprised. So she was winning Grammys back then. No, it was the it was the the Tejano Music Awards. Oh, okay. which was like which... that genre's like version of the. Grammys. And it's a male dominated genre, like Tejano for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, which they did have like female uh, vocalists and whatnot. Because I was like looking through like some of the other like. Uh, other artists on there and like they were all like older i think like the next like youngest one was like 33 years old and it was always like they they were imitating the men kind of thing kind of like what you see like now like with like rap music like you don't see like a lauren hill like in hip-hop right now it's like all like cardi b which i mean i i did cardi b and shit like that but like it they're just like they're just vulgar or whatever so it would always be like it would always be something like that like they were just mimicking the men whereas like you had selena and they were it was more pure like it wasn't like they weren't singing about anything vulgar it was and it wasn't kitty music at that it was very much like you know unrequented love and and just things that your average person could relate to yeah and if you see all of like like they have like montages and stuff of her like winning all the awards every time she's completely like like floored every time <laughs> it's like what like she's just like either that or she practiced her surprise face which I really doubt she didn't she seemed I don't know she seemed pretty honest but um, uh-huh. yeah every time it's like oh my god like I remember um, I remember when you know watching her as I got older watching the award shows and like just every time it was like this big moment. Like my whole family was, was in it. Right. Even my grandpa eventually came around and was like, ah, she, all right. Like he was just like, all right, cool. For the record, she doesn't seem mariachi the right way, but bless her heart. She tries. He was, even he was like, all right, get it girl. Like that's, that's rough. Cause my grandfather didn't want me being a musician. He told me horror stories of what women had to do mm-hmm. to move up, to be accepted and get your spot to even get the audition and he was like no you're not doing that yeah and that's like the that's the horrible thing about that too it's just like she was able to keep her dignity all throughout you know a career and you look at that like too like when she's winning too like you said like with grace like she she's up there she's giving you know thanks to her family and whatnot and it's just like that that to me like that was like that was like always my first thought like you were talking about like what f- certain female artists like i'm a big hip-hop fan like you hear the things that they had to do um you know i'm a big you know metalhead too like you you hear like artists like lita ford and whatnot like stuff that they had to do with producers or record execs just to get you know in this spot and to see that like okay she had she was able to do it without going down that path right and they're both i mean you're a feminist on both ways don't get me wrong like both of those it's like you know like it's unfortunate and i'm like man if you were able to like overcome that and still shine in your spot like like i'm sorry that you had to go through that but you you do you girl you know but either one i think sometimes people think like being a feminist means you have to be this like and i i I think that she kind of showed for maybe more soft-spoken women who might feel like they, they can't be feminist or they can't, you know, um, 
It's not true. You can absolutely, like you said, you know, just be graceful and still stick it to everyone and win every time. Yeah. <laughs> and then like by 1989, a, a guy named Jose Bihar from EMI Latin, I guess EMI is a little uh, record label that, you know, had, you know, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, you know, little, little artists like that, you know, Whitney Houston, like all sorts of like major artists or whatnot. They, they were starting a Latin division and he saw her, um, you know, win one of her nine, you know, female vocalists of the year award. And he was, you know, telling her, her and her father that like, Hey, like you have the potential to be the next Gloria Estefan. And he, you know, approached Abe with like the promise of like, Hey, like I want, I really want to make a crossover album with her. I don't, I don't think like the potential for her is like just to continue to just make, making, you know, like Tejano music, you know, till the end of time, like there's something there, like where she can, you know, you know, cross over, you know, into, you know, the popular charts and whatnot. And so I guess there was like a back and forth with like EMI, uh, this record, the record company. And I guess a guy named Charles Koppelman, who was like the head of EMI was just like, nah, like we'll just, we'll sign her. But like, no, she doesn't have a sig. Mind you in 2020, we're looking back at this and laughing. She's not, she's, she doesn't have the potential to have the kind of fan base that's going to generate any kind of significant revenue. Like, yeah, just kind of do your thing at the Latin division, you know, sell to like those Mexicans over here and, you know, maybe some Puerto Ricans over there or whatever. But like now, like we're not going to spend the, the millions of dollars getting producers and songwriters to, you know, give her an album that we we're going to give to Paula Abdul because Paula Abdul is going to live forever. <laughs> her music is going to live forever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, she continues to make all these like um, these records. I mean, her first record, I believe, goes like double platinum. It was huge. It was huge. And mind you, she's only 16 years old um, at this point. Like, she, I believe she's like being homeschooled. And at the same time, like she's doing all this. And I, like my mind goes like, OK, like I was super like straight A student. Like what were her grades like? It's knocking it out of the park, like straight A's. I actually yanked her out of school. Yeah. Like they like almost took him to like the board of education and were like, no, dude, you can't do this to your kids to like live out your dream. And he was like, yeah, shut up. We're going to do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all of them, he yanked all the kids out of school. Yeah. And she actually like just knocks it out of the park though. Like with like, cause they obviously become homeschooled at this point, you know, they're on yeah. their bus, like, you know, reading, you know, social studies and shit written by Miss Waddell, maybe probably, I don't know. Shout out to Ms. Waddell. <laughs> oh yeah. The best teacher of all time. Uh, but like, yeah, like she had like enough credits early to like graduate early and whatnot. So just a side note on that, not only is she hot and can sing fucking classic songs and shit, but she was smart as hell too. Uh, uh, so I just wanted to put it out there. Um, 1990, 1990, she re releases her second solo album uh, where, you know, you get like one of the biggest songs that she's ever released, uh, Baila Esta Cumbia, which is... I used to be a DJ. I don't DJ anymore. Like I would DJ like a lot of weddings and stuff like that. If you didn't put that song on, like it's not you, a quinceanera. Yeah, you're <laughs> fucking up. Like you don't turn 15. <laughs> Time actually goes in reverse if you don't play that at your quinceanera. Yeah, you Benjamin Button it right there. So like that is like a fucking staple. And I'm not even just saying like a staple just for like you know you know Mexican weddings or quinceaneras or whatever. Like. It could be a white wedding. It could be a black person wedding. It could be a Middle Eastern person's wedding. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you put that song on and butts are going to shake on the dance floor. Like, that's how significant a song is. And it's not any kind of, like, Americanized song or whatever. It's very much a fucking Tejano song. Like, straight yeah. up. 
it's like well it's cumbia, cumbia yeah my bad yeah mexican and texan influence absolutely but that song yeah that song was life-changing i i can't forget exactly where i was standing the first time i heard that song but you weren't standing for long you were shaking it right <laughs> i was up man i was like everyone move out all the furniture in this living room <laughs> we are about to get down yeah it was um it still is I mean, to me, you know, with so much new music coming out every year, and as the years go by, you know, we're all pretty old here. Yeah. Um, I still, something happens when I hear that song. Oh, yeah. Like, I could just be done with the party, and I'm like, all right, I, I already had the cake, because that's my thing. I stick around, cake and presents, bye. And I'm hearing <laughs> that song, and I'm like, ooh! <laughs> hold on, hold my drink. <laughs> you know, the men know, like... Let's go dance floor. It doesn't matter where they are in the room. It's like, I'm going to meet you out there. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's something that my nieces, I have seven nieces. Holy. They're all into, I mean, babies, babies don't know who Selena are, but they hear that song and something happens. Oh yeah. It's magical. So that helps skyrocket their career even more so after winning like nine consecutive, you know, female vocalists of the year awards or whatever. So that album just takes her to a whole nother stratosphere where they're playing shows in uh, Mexico and whatnot like this. So much so that like the stage is like crumbling like that. Uh, I want to reference the scene from the Selena, the Jennifer Lopez Selena movie where so many people show up that, you know, they push on the, you know, the stage reinforcement and the stage starts to collapse and shit. So that's where you get that at. Um, and it's also around this time, uh, around 1991, that she meets a little woman named Yolanda Saldivar, who will become somebody very important uh, later on. But, you know, she says, hey, you're getting super popular. You need to capitalize on this. Like, you need to start a fan club in San Antonio. you got a lot of fans right there. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I should head that fan club. So you get this person right here, you know, starting a fan club. And, you know, eventually, like you were saying earlier in the show, like she starts like all of these boutiques. So not only is she like smart, funny, beautiful, like all these other things, but she's a shrewd businesswoman as well because these two boutiques. She designed her own clothes. She designs them and she's super good at it. I mean, I can't even figure anything else out because within the couple of years, the couple of years, like the same time frame you and I are, have had this podcast for the millions of people, she makes just on those boutiques alone $5 million. And that we're talking like early 90s fucking like, you know, George H.W. Bush like recession years money, like $5 million. So that's a pretty penny. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. I always wondered, I, I think I told you like Earlier in the summer, like, the Spurs put out, like, the Selena edition of, like, all the stuff that they were doing. And, like, I I was always like, what? I just, I didn't understand, because she's from, not from San Antonio. She's, like, Corpus, pretty, Christi. Corpus Christi. And, like, I don't know where she lived as an adult. Maybe she lived there. I don't know. But, like, I was, I always thought, I didn't know that her fan club was based out of there. And, like, I guess there's, like, a picture of her wearing a Spurs jersey. And like then they just ran with it at that point, <laughs> and so that that solved that mystery for me. <laughs> but that's yeah, cool. they were really successful. They were like catalog order, and then you could get your hair and nails done there, mm -hmm. and all kinds of cool stuff. Where was that? That was was that in San Antonio? Yeah, so she, I believe she had the. Um, the boutique, she had two of them. I believe one was in San Antonio, one in Corpus Christi, and I believe she was... She, she was going to open one in Mexico, right? Yeah, in Monterey. Um, that was, like, in the cards by, like, 95. Like, it was just, like, a growing empire. Um, 
it's also around this time like she starts to become like the spokesperson for coca-cola um in the you know southern texas region and her brother again like you referenced earlier she he was the producer for all the music so ab was writing all the jingles for these coca-cola commercials and um it kind of needed something a little bit extra so he hired so the family hires this guitar player chris perez who ends up you know eventually becoming like her spouse those chris's they come out of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> it's you like a, a, a... he i remember he has that cool scene in the movie where his hair is long <laughs> <laughs> they do absolutely nothing to it, but like they just all they do is pull it back with like some Aquanet or some shit. Yeah, he gets in yeah. a ponytail. Yeah, very like, very early nineties of them to do that. Yeah, it was like the you know like when we get asked in junior high like are you a rocker fool? Like yeah, <laughs> he, he was a rocker. Yeah, like all <laughs> he the could way. absolutely been like sure. And he's got kind of a reggae style too. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of his um, Chris and I have had this. My Chris and I have had this conversation. Like he's got a little bit of a reggae influence in there, right? And then, of course, you know, hours later talking about reggae with Chris, then we get back to, yeah, yeah, he does have a little bit of a reggae sound. Yeah, I noticed that too. Like, like when you listen to like some of the solos or whatever, like they reminisce like a lot of like reggae, or like I want to say it's it's like a more like like islander feel to it. Like, like you yeah. mentioned like Puerto Rican, you know, Cuban music, like with the Miami sound machine, but it's something no different from that. Something that came over like from like Spain via like the Caribbean or whatever. Like he's got a lot of that influence. It would be interesting to look into that. Um, reggae metal? I don't know. It's like, what's that? His style was like reggae metal. Yeah. I feel like kind of like, you know, I don't know. It was just unique. It's hard to put your finger on, but what, no matter what it was, like it was very. He was a very accomplished guitar player. Me being me being a guitar player, I'm very like shrewd about you know who plays how how people play their guitar. But like he was a very accomplished guitar player. So eventually, he actually becomes a full time member of the band, and him and Selena start to take a liking to each other, and they start like this very super like secret um, you know relationship. He had a girlfriend. Wait, he had a girlfriend. Wait, what? He had a girlfriend. No, he uh-huh. didn't. Dang. Yeah. She had no chance. I'm sorry if you're listening. You had no chance, honey. It's okay. <laughs> there is no shame. <laughs> so, he had a girlfriend when they first met, and he was like, ooh, I got to dump this chick because Selena is a cutie. Oh, I probably would, too. Dang, Dang that's crazy. That's rough. <laughs> he was friends for a while. He was just like, oh, man. like. And there's, enough, there's another uh, – there's some more tea about another love within the band, which I can bring up at a later time if you'd like. <sighs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually, yeah, they get caught. I mean, what she? I don't know. I don't know how much older like Chris is compared to Selena, but like they they get caught a couple times, like on the bus, like flirting or whatever. And eventually, like Abraham, you know, being the you know strict you know Jehovah Witness father he is, is just like he's a cancer to the family, and like you know fires him like multiple times from the band. Um, I believe like her sister told on her. Oh, it was Suzette. Oh, that little skonka. Um, but fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so chismosa. Oh shoot! You just froze. <laughs> I'll cut that out. <laughs> you know who's a chismosa? <laughs> Who? George W. Bush. Fucking. Will Smith, man. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I got nothing. All right. Anyways, Jerry, you cut out for a second on your internet. Um. Anyways, what? So Suzette finds them in the bus. I guess yeah. Well, they've been caught a few times supposedly, but yeah, like Suzette told 
dad and that's when he finally was just like get away from my from my daughter how old was she at this time period she was still a teenager i think oh. yeah i would also be like yo <laughs> she's a teenager my dude i can't want to say she was like 18 or something though oh, I, okay. can't remember. I remember being like i remember the drama like at the time as it was unfolding and i was like ridiculous like she's carrying all of you on her back and you can't just let her and my mom was like you don't even know these people what is wrong with you? <laughs> let it be that's that's a that's a tough one for a parent in that situation i would imagine especially for a girl like when my when my girlfriend was pregnant with my baby with our baby like i was just like i mean i would have been happy either way if it was a boy or the girl but like i just me knowing me like i probably would have ended up like abraham because I was just like, there's something in you, like with like women, you just like want to protect them, want to make sure, like, because I guess Abraham comes out later. He's just like Chris, just seemed like he was gonna be like a chauvinist that was gonna make her, her quit her career and like have seven babies while like he like, you know, goes and like screws groupies like around the world or whatever. And so like that's like was hit like he says was his apprehension to the relationship. But I mean, who knows? I mean, Abraham for like all intents and purposes seemed just like like a very controlling like father to begin with. So it's just like anything like he couldn't control, like it just seems like he wouldn't have been down with because, I mean, they actually did like care for each other. I mean, I, I, there's another thing that I guess will come up later on, like when we start to talk about Yolanda or whatever. But like, um, yeah, he like Abraham like threatens to like disband the whole like speaking of chauvinist, he threatens to, like disband like the whole group, like if they don't like stop seeing each other and whatnot. And so he actually like kicks him off the band, fires him and whatnot. And so him, him and Selena like have like this idea, I guess to like get secretly married and the movie kind of shows it like perfectly where it's just like, they think like they get, they're going to get away with it. Like, Oh, okay. We'll secretly be married. And like mom and dad, like they'll have to like accept us or whatever. But I guess like some radio station or whatever, like catches wind of it and like blasts all like their personal news, like on the radio station that they actually got like the day that they get married, like blasted like all over the media. <laughs> You know, I don't want to blame the dad too much because at the end of the day, like once you start doing that as your profession, like you always have to be professional at work. I, mm -hmm. I mean, if it, it is, it becomes your job. Like, can you imagine if like Metallica started making out in the back of the bus? <laughs> like, what would happen to them? What would happen to Lars? Lars and James. Lars, can out? you stop making out with James? Like, <laughs> you know, come on, you, you gotta be a little more professional. They would yeah, be on their tenth base. I will push back, sir. Yeah, but if if the professionalism of the band is already it's a family unit. Yeah, like, no, that's that's a good point. Set the tone, Daddy O. Yeah, I like, would say she at this point. I know she's really young. But I do think that she should have been like, yo, I need to get a better manager. Like, you're out of here, dad. Like, money and family don't mix well, dad. Like, Clearly, you've never been a Latina. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's um, true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mom and dad, we're going to do things my way. My, even now, my mom's like, I'm sorry. Do you need to check your tone? I'm like, no, ma'am. You're right. That was out of line. <laughs> Okay. No, I think I think that's that goes back to just probably her personality. She seemed very like very family oriented. Mm -hmm. I mean, they all seemed really tight. That's yeah. true. I mean, and, and like the success is basically riding on her. I'm sure even if she was like, no matter how like humble you are, she knew that everything came down on her. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, all right, well, I I kind of have to do this because I don't know. Good for her. She got her 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 man. She got her Chris. Hell yeah. 
<laughs> so they do end up getting married, right? Mm-hmm. All right, despite of the the leak, the chismoso in the radio station. Yeah. Fucking, uh, I forget <laughs> like who the fucking person leaked it was, but uh, like it was some like got, like the Wendy what's Williams that, of what's the that, early nineties. Um, what's that crab radio guy? The Danny Spanks? No, no, the late night guy. Oh, the real Bruce Wayne. The real Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Selena's getting married. <laughs> You know what's funny is all this, like, you guys are doing a recap, and, like, so many people now rely on, like, the recaps and stuff, but I remember all of this, like, on the radio, because I was in her business, right, because I was a f- super fan, and I remember being like, oh, like, oh, my God, I'm so proud, and, like, telling, you know, telling my parents, and my dad was like, good for her, she took her life into her own hands, and my mom was like, absolutely not, that's not <laughs> what we do, we don't do that, and it was we so to funny, dad. it was just like every every single big like life event like that because I remember it's like I feel like I knew before her parents knew. <laughs> Damn. That's so crazy. Can you imagine going from like they wouldn't let you play fairgrounds for for free even for exposure to like somehow somebody found out that you eloped and like everyone but your parents know? That's crazy. In just a few years, really. No thanks. we're dealing with lag here uh but but yeah that is that is nuts though but um the next month after that she actually like she just seems like she's like going through like this tornado of a life like she's getting married i believe it was like april of 92 you know the radio spills the beans on that uh and then the very next month you know she releases an even bigger album uh entre a mi mundo uh where you know she has all these other hits that come out on it um it spends uh eight months at the number one spot and goes 10 times platinum. And it has a couple of little songs that are called, uh, Como La Flor. La Ca- what, probably one of my favorite songs. La Ca- Ca- Sorry guys, I'm half white. Deal with me right now. Carcacha. Yeah. La Carcacha. <laughs> what was that, Jacob? Carcacha. All right. <laughs> Jacob, how does that song start? Well, it's fucking, I'll just have to it for you guys. I'm not gonna fucking embarrass myself. No, I don't want to get a copyright strike. Uh, but and then her. Yeah, it's the one that's like Uno, right? Yes, I just no. didn't want to embarrass myself. Who doesn't love that one? Hell yeah! If oh. you don't like, if you don't love that fucking, you can unfriend me right now. But anyways, and then her first English language song, which is "Missing My Baby," which kind of threw me for a loop because I always thought it was on that. Um, that is a cringy title. What "Missing My Baby"? Yeah. Why? Why is that cringy? It just sound. It's just very cringy sounding. Just saying, hey, I calls it like I sees it. But she's missing her baby. Okay. Her her baby Chris that, you know, her dad won't let her see. So she's get, she's missing the shit out of him on the road and shit. So that secretly they're going to get married in yeah. a couple months or whatever. All right. <laughs> uh, okay. So then in 93, she releases another album, which is, you know, a humongous album, which is called Live, which is basically her just playing like all of her hits live. And this is where she actually wins like an actual Grammy Grammy for her performance um, uh, for best Mexican-American um, album. And this is when, like, remember I was telling you earlier where like EMI was saying that like, hey, like we're going to pass on doing like a crossover album. And we're just going to focus like you can just release your like little Comola Floor albums and shit. And um, this is where they're like, you know what? There might be something here, you know, like, like every year, like she releases a new album, you know, she goes on bigger tours, you know, st- fucking 
you know, stages are collapsing. Uh, she's going like 10 times platinum. Like those are like fucking like Michael Jackson numbers right there. Those are like Metallica, like early nineties numbers and shit right there. It's just like, well, maybe we need to finally just do the right thing and just do a crossover album. So EMI, like they, they do the whole thing. They say like, Hey, we're going to green light this crossover album. So she's right here between like 93 where she's like on the like precipice of like, you know, just totally exploding like onto like the, the world pop scene right here sure was man and mexico mexico already had full buy-in well latin america but mexico specifically she really won them over Mm -hmm. which is like especially like the 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 television so this is kind of like you know i was in i don't know those pre-years when she was was getting married and all that stuff but like Mm -hmm. like this is the time period in like like latin tv or whatever where you have like Univision and Telemundo, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Like those are the one, the two powerhouses here. If you like lived in the United States and you wanted, like, your entertainment in, in Spanish, and like they played a huge role in like what what artists became popular and what artists didn't, and like just the the, the fact that there would be like stories that were ran of like, look at all these people that lined up for her concert, like that would be part of the news, you know, like it was it was super interesting like you weren't seeing other like latin artists like filling up the you know you brought up like metallica or something like that like you know maybe like a whitney houston i think like mariah carey was already like in the in the world but just to see that she's in that world now of like the whitney houston's more like a mariah carey you know more contemporary to her like in and like the latin like news coverage and like the two latin like broadcasters were like behind her like pretty interesting because they weren't behind anyone else <laughs> male or female too like that's what i kept thinking of, like besides menudo of course I, wasn't even menudo like even like that big of a thing like i maybe they had like a couple hits or whatever but like even what was that even like a big of big of a thing like for that sustained amount of time like it to me it was just like a blip and then it was over. dude menudo's still around they just read like gurgitate members like oh, okay it's weird like menudo's a weird thing and like like the way it's set up, like it's just like Ricky Martin was. It's like the Mickey Mouse Club, mm-hmm. like oh okay, yeah. it's it's not like a but real like prime thing. though. Like you don't see like fucking like little kids like on Nile Street like bumping Menudo or whatever. It's always oh, like no. the one like Ricky Martin, like when Ricky Martin was like five years old, Menudo like song that like that gets played. Oh yeah, no, of course, in. yeah, yeah, I agree with that. That's but like my point though is is just like with everything that you were saying with like you know people lining up you know just to buy like t-shirts like at her boutique or whatever like that was like being covered like 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 it was the beatles you know like the the name the next big is like mexican-american or mexican artist and like what like you get like pepe aguilar or uh you know vicente fernandez like they're not even like getting that kind of coverage like she's like dude vicente fernandez is getting like elvis coverage man that is is, like i don't know about that one I think he's talking like you're talking about like the Beatles like craze with like Correct. the younger yeah. people too. Like Vicente Fernandez, you have to have money to buy a ticket, and so like it's mostly like a lot of older people. Mm-hmm. Uh, P.S. My dad, Yadira and Selena, Yadira's dad and Vicente <laughs> Fernandez. So I know way too much about this guy, but like I think that it's more orderly and people, you know, he sells out absolutely. But young people like using like allowance money to buy her merch and like her CDs and just like, you know, when they interview them, they're like screaming on TV, like, I love her so much. 
God, you know, I've waited like five hours uh-huh. to just, you know, get this one sticker. Like, you know, like, like you were saying, waiting in line and, and, and everyone just really liked her. Mm-hmm. I just really think everyone just thought, man, you are just like a shining star. Like, how can I help you? She was always on the Johnny, Johnny Canada show. Yeah. And he was really supportive of her. Yeah, and I think that's like how like because like I remember that that's like the show that would come on like on those Spanish uh, channels that I would watch with my dad, and it's just like that that those were like the shows where she's like, oh shit, you would stop everything just to watch her and, and the band and whatnot, and then like I remember when um, her next album comes out like in '94, Amor Prohibido, like that's the oh, song, that's, favorite. that's the album that like she's like absolutely like known like worldwide for right here because you got. Bitty Bitty Bomb Bomb on there, and then another personal favorite, like I don't want to fucking butcher the fucking like El Chico de Apartamento Cinco Doce. Uh, that song <laughs> on there, that's um, pretty good. Amor Prohibido <laughs> is on that album as well. And this album goes 36 times platinum. I mean, again, guys, these are like Michael Jackson, the Eagles, Prince Purple Rain numbers and shit, like worldwide. And, the, you know, she's doing this concurrently while she's, you know, doing like her, her, her crossover album. But this album just like even without doing any kind of like crossover, like English song or whatever, like this is like with me or it's just like you were talking earlier in the episode, you did where it's like you didn't know anybody else that knew of Selena. I knew of her, you know, and then like you would see kids like you, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, you would listen to Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and whatnot. Like, this is where it's just, like, on the playground, you know, on the tetherball court, on the basketball court, people are singing, like, beady, beady, bum, bum, like, white kids, black kids, you know, Arab kids, like, all sorts of different kids. Like, you know, beady, beady, bum, bum, and it's not a Mariah Carey song. It's not a Gloria Estefan, like, you know, fusion song. It's a fucking straight up, like, just straight up Spanish song, like a Mexican song. And it's just, like, this is, to me, like, this is where Selena is, like, the fucking Beatles right here. This is where she is, like, like in sync, like Backstreet Boys, like status right here. Like she owned the world at this point. That, that, that's a pretty good comparison, I would say. I don't know about the Beatles. I wasn't alive back then, but I remember like when the Backstreet Boys were like, like, do you remember when LFO came to the mall in Bakersfield <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like teenage girls started tearing the mall apart? They mm-hmm. had to like get LFO out of there. Yeah, like. It's like that level, like the boy band level up, but you know, she was like the first to like do it from like a like Latin base or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it was super interesting. Like and did see like like again like okay yeah you can see like one perfect example like Noble Elementary like they had like two different classes like you had the English speaking classes and then you had like the one class that taught like all the Spanish only speaking um, children and there was one girl in there like Gracie I knew her because she used to play tetherball with us she would always like every single day like wear the same selena shirt like every single day and by when i say the same selena shirt i'm not talking about the same singletary piece of cloth clothing like no she had the same shirt but like in every fucking color like she had the black version she had the white version she had the like gray heather version like she had the sartreuse version of it or whatever and she would wear that one every single day and to see like yeah you had those kids listening to selena but at the same time like you had the arab kid named atos listening to that like you had um eddie the black kid you know he would be listening to that like shout he- out to eddie the black kid now <laughs> i hope he's doing well to be honest with you i hope he's doing well Last he's an engineer song, oh he's doing he's all right he's yeah. doing well she like she really spread her wings on that album too because like 
I feel like it was like the big bang before the crossover. She was like, it's not just going to be one, like all Spanish music, obviously, but one genre. Like there's mm-hmm. going to be Tejano influence. There's going to be cumbias on this. My favorite song of hers ever, which I know is so hard to pick. My favorite one is No Me Queda Mas. Oh, yeah. It's a bolero style, which comes from like mariachi music. And um, the video is because be- you know, this was a time when music videos were a thing. You had to have a music video to go yep. with it and it had to be brilliant. And I I just like that's probably I don't know. I, I still listen to it all the time. And I remember talking to my grandpa and being like, hey, you want to do this song together? And he was like, oh, it's Selena. And I'm like, yeah, let's listen to it. And he was like, okay. And so he learned it. And that was like our backyard. Like everyone would have drinks or whatever and things would get kind of quiet. There'd be like five people left drinking in the backyard. And I was hung out with the adults. And then my grandpa would bring out his guitar and there'd just be a bonfire and silence. And he and I would do our thing and, you know, jam. And I might take out my violin. Dude. And like, I grew up seeing that. And then... I didn't listen to it when he died. I just felt like, oh, that sucks. That's over. And then one day, my husband Chris learned it. Oh, that's he, beautiful. And I'm like, why'd you learn this? And he's like, you sing it all the time. Like, like, <laughs> Do you not know that? And I'm like, what? He's like, you do things and you're singing it all the time. And like, I was like, I had no idea. And so now we do the same thing. Like, there's a bonfire or something, and like, and we sing it. And if I'm having just a shit day. He'll just pick up his guitar and play it in the other room. And I'm like, oh, fine, I'll sing it. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, like, you know, or, or people will be around, you know, a bonfire and start playing it. And I'm like, I don't really want to sing this. No, make it us. Like, I'll just copy. <laughs> <in the voice." laughs> but it was so cool. It was like, whatever mood you're in, that album has like a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then she had that, like, the, the, duet well the the collab with barrio boys mm-hmm. too and that was like whoa because oh. they were like a latino boy band and you know they were singing in english and she was singing in spanish and it was like we we all could feel it and it was that like awaiting that english album like mm-hmm. yes girl this is what you wanted for yourself this whole time and you're gonna get it and it's going to be amazing mm-hmm. yeah. she was about to crossover in the Paul Abdul world. Though who was like a big hero of hers? Correct. Like Paul Abdul gets referenced a lot whenever like Selena comes Selena, up. yeah. But like that was like the this the sign of the times. I remember too like having like a like a slightly lesser crush on Paul Abdul. Um or that one video like that. The one with oh, MC sh- Scat Cat? No, not that one. The the Rush Rush one or whatever. And like every time I think of like Selena's influence, I always think of like, oh yeah, like that video Rush Rush or Hush Hush or whatever. Just because like you could see like the influence there, you know. And um, it's kind of like like when I listen to Metallica, like I can hear like influence of like Motorhead or um, you know, you listen to a newer band now and you're like, oh okay, they they were influenced by Iron Maiden or like you like it's like that beautiful like they're not imitating it but you can see like that influence i can always see that but then at the same time it was like madonna you know madonna was like at her peak at this time like you can see a lot of influences with that you can see a lot of influences with janet jackson um rhythm nation janet jackson which is like prime janet jackson right there and to see somebody like reinterpret it you know like in a mexican sense was like so beautiful to see just because like you mentioned it's just like well i'm not you know a white girl from michigan or whatever i'm not you know 
you know, a black person or whatever. I can't relate to this, but Selena, like I see girls at school like Selena. Like I, I can relate more to her interpretation of these songs than I can necessarily like a Paula Abdul or Janet Jackson or whatever. Yeah, definitely. And I had like older like cousins, of course, and stuff who were really into Madonna and Paula Abdul and, and Janet Jackson. So was I mm-hmm. because of that. Right. And, um, my older brother was like super obsessed with Michael. I guess we're all obsessed with someone in my family. I, we have a sickness now that I think about it. <laughs> um, my brother was all about Michael. And so he'd be like, okay, you're going to be Janet. We're going to like act out like. like Scream. Scream. Yeah. I was a terrible dancer. And he was like, get it together. Come on. You know? And so Selena doing it was like, I loved, of course, you didn't love Rhythm Nation. Yeah. But like. It was just a better fit. I was like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. And the okay. shoe fit, the, like, it was like a Cinderella. Like, the shoe fit just a little bit better, you know? And, like, that's what, like, how I would, like, describe, like, that album. Um, again, this is, like, the prime, to me, like, the the crest of the wave, like, hitting right here. And it's also around this same time that, you know, again, you know, millions of fans around the world and whatnot it's around this same time, like where fans start to write in, you know, to Abe or the management saying like, Hey, like we sent in our $20 for to get like our holographic sticker or, you know, our Christmas card or whatever, whatever trinket that you, you know, you're supposed to get when you sign up for the fan club and we've gotten nothing. We've ordered shirts from the boutique and we've gotten nothing. And so Abe kind of does like his own like little research of the finances and just to see like what, what's going on. Is something happening like, you know, with the, the shipper or, you know, something? Are these people like trying to put one over on us just to get some free merch out of us? And what he found was he found like tens of thousands. I believe it was like almost like $50,000 of like discrepancies like on the accounting books, on the boutiques, on the fan club, on, you know, the merch like for the band even. And Yolanda at this time, Yolanda Saldivar, like not only was she like the president of the fan club, but like she was also like running the boutiques for Selena, you know, because again, Selena's like this humongous star, like just traveling all around and, you know, performing all these shows, putting out all these classic albums or whatever. There's no way she can possibly, you know, sit there from nine to five and manage these multiple boutiques and fan clubs and whatnot. So she puts Yolanda Saldivar, who at this time, is presenting herself like as like her best friend who kind of just tells her like that, like, Oh, like, let me, let me do this. Let me start that boutique out in Monterey. Let me travel out there on your behalf, you know, you know, run some business dealings and whatnot and kind of take it, takes advantage of her. And the boutique starts to lose like a lot of business as well, because a lot of employees start quitting um, or getting fired because Yolanda, like if she sees somebody else in the boutique, like getting close to Selena, you know, she would straight up fire them or pressure them out. And she just kind of reminds me like everybody kind of like has like this person in their family that's like very manipulative, very controlling, that lies a lot just to get their way, just to position themselves like in a better light. Kind of like my mom. <laughs> my that's my mom. No, I'm just kidding. Can you see that, Karen? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was like, I was thinking, as like Jacob said, like everyone has that person in their family. I'm like, dude, your mom's a sweetheart. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I, I was like, you did that, Jacob, because you know, everyone listening went, oh yeah, that one person. Like we all thought of that person. Yeah, no, and the, to me, like, yeah, there is a Yolanda Saldivar, like in everybody's family, like just that aunt. Or like that cousin, like you just don't want them coming over for yeah, Christmas. I got that uncle that borrows lawnmowers and never brings them back. Exactly. Like that's what I'm talking about. Like she's that person, but she fools Selena as like, okay, I'm your, 
I'm your best friend. I'm only I I worship the ground that you work that you which live is really on. weird. Like that she's trying to like be relatable to like this girl. How old is she at this point? Like twenty two. So Selena is probably like twenty one at the no oh, twenty two. Yeah, yeah twenty two. Yeah, and how old is Yolanda? Now I thought fifties. No, 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 no. At this time, okay, I'm glad you said that, Yudira, because at this time, she's only, th- she's our age. She's 35 years old. Dude, she ages like shit. Yeah, and she looks like she's 65 you know, or 55. I do not look like that, do I? No. No, okay. not at all. <laughs> 25. Wow. Dude. I can't believe that. I guess I just never, I'm never going to Google her, ever. <laughs> That's like, okay, so, you know, um, Kimbo Slice? Yeah. Like he died at like age 42 or whatever of a heart attack but he looked like he was 68 yeah and it, well he was also on steroids it worries me like that shit like will fuck with me when it's like <gasps> you can die of a heart attack at age 42 like that means i only have like six more years to go <laughs> like it scares the shit him. Yeah. just don't do speed yeah i know i was like oh as long as i'm cool don't do those drugs don't do right, steroids we've been meaning to have like one of those interventions yeah. where you were going to ask you to stop doing the juice stop, stop doing steroids no way bro <laughs> very good for high blood pressure you're good keep drinking it you're, you're good <laughs> what is it hibiscus you said you like oh yeah that, that yeah that's one of the things that they post on their little label good for high blood pressure yeah use promo code america for 15 percent off true lower that blood pressure but yeah so yolanda is like it's just she's like this troll of a fucking woman like just like and i hate to say that because it makes me sound sexist but like she's like I'll a, say it. she's a fucking troll she's I'll a say it. she's a troll bitch that's what she is like she's a troll ass bitch and i'm not just saying that because of what we're, we're leading into but just just the way like you watch interviews with yolanda there's the behind the music with vh1 where she talks there's like all these documentaries where they go to the prison, they talk to Yolanda and it seems like every time she opens up her mouth, like it's a lot like Trump. Like it's like, there's that narcissism (laughs) where it's just like, it's everybody else's fault. It's Abraham's fault that all this happened. It's, you know, so-and-so's fault that all this happened. It's everybody else's fault, but her own. Like she's still to this day. What's really sickening. She continues to say like, I loved her more than anyone. That was like her phrase she would not let go of. Yeah. I loved Selena. I loved her more than anyone. Like, okay. okay I do think that these are people, like, obviously she she has some kind of mental illness. Like, it reminds me a lot of, like, that dude that tried to, like, kill Bjork with, like, a bomb right before he committed oh, suicide. Right, yeah. Where, like, people confuse, like, I guess, like, I don't want to say lust. I don't know if she was, like, lustful towards Selena. But, like, confusing, yeah. like... I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, just the, like... Like, there's, like, something... To me, like, what it seems is, like, there's some, like, cross-wiring in the brain where it's just, like, they get... they Yeah, they get, like, that actual and genuine, like, human interaction confused with, like, violence and whatnot. Like, that, you see a lot of this, like, in prisons and shit where it's just, like, there's something just haywire in the mind where it's, like, they get something confused where it's just, like, they love something so much that they, they would kill it. Yeah, some people just want to destroy something beautiful. It makes them feel kind of godly. Mm-hmm. If they can take something, pluck something beautiful and destroy it like in their hand, it's like, I'm somebody. I couldn't be that, but I killed that. And it's like, what? Yeah, but, yeah. But we don't get it because we're not psycho. Control freak. And I think, and this is what it leads down to, is like, you know, Abraham, the father, who's also a super control freak, they butted heads. And when you got people that are very similar with control habits like that, like, of course, they're going to bump heads. So, you know, Abraham, he holds like this, you know, very, 
big meeting with Selena, Suzette, you know, and AB and everybody and basically confronts Yolanda is like, hey, there's all this money missing. You know, I have all these fans writing in, calling, saying like, you know, where, you know, where's our T-shirt? Where's this at? Where's this at? And they're sending in the money. They, they're they providing receipts. You know, at the same time, you know, I have people at these boutiques. They're quitting. They're filing, you know all these complaints because of you there's money missing from here as well like there's like where what's up with all this like are you stealing money from us you know and she you know suzette i believe what it said it was just like she just deadpans everybody and says like no she said i don't clean (laughs) me not clean (laughs) like five people get that reference yeah (laughs) (laughs) fucking asshole Anyway, so she like deadpans everybody in the room and says like, no, like you don't understand. There has to be something wrong. I can provide bank statements that can show that like, oh, like I was just moving money over here, you know, to make, you know, the boutique like even better because, you know, hey, the boutique's making five million dollars over here. And I was just moving money over here. So that way we can make even more money, like just kind of trying to manipulate the situation. And Abe, credit to him. He was just like, I'm from the streets. I know a rat when I see one. He was just like, all right, you check this out. You got one month to bring us all those bank statements or all those financial records that you're claiming to have. And if you don't bring it, I'm taking your ass to the police. And, you know, you're no longer allowed to have any more communication with this family or Selena. Who is part of this family. Who's also part of the yeah. Who, by the way, might may or may not be part of this family. <laughs> also now, it, because of a controlling father, thinks, thinks that this is how people show love probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. by being controlling so she probably sees there's nothing wrong with this like okay she has good intentions this is fine yeah and like that's that's mm-hmm. one thing too i was thinking about like at the gym like i was just like of course you know selena again smart you know just just the peach of this earth or whatever when you have like that you know nature and nurture of a father who is controlling like that of course, you know, somebody else in her life is going to come into her life. It wasn't Chris, you know, like her dad was a fearful for. It ended up being somebody like Yolanda who was going to manipulate and con- basically control her and, you know, do some shady shit to her, her business. And then eventually what happens is, is like Selena and her barred from communicating. But Selena's still like, hey, let me, you know, showing showing that, you know, pureness and kindness is just like, hey, let me keep you along for a little bit longer, like, hey, like, we'll just meet up. Just give me the bank statements and whatnot. Because, you know, Yolanda had a lot of power in, the, in this business, where it's like, so Yolanda had, like, all the stuff that was necessary to file for taxes and whatnot. So she was just like, you know, instead of, you know, being the bull in the china shop like her father was being, like, I'm going to be a little, you know, nicer about it and just kind of, like, finesse the situation. So that way, like, when it's time to, you know, file, you know, taxes, the IRS doesn't come after me, whatever. Let me get as much as I can from you in the most civil way possible. And that way, you know, we'll just have, like, a clean break or whatever, right? And so... And she's got the Astrodome concert to worry about, too. Exactly, right? Which was completely sold out. So that was, like, big for them. This is all going on at the same time. Yeah, so this is all happening in January. And then that, that show, the humongous Astrodome show is in february actually happened a day before my you know 10th birthday you know february 26th uh, 1995 so she's got all this pressure going on with her right now and yolanda is like totally like dodging the situation and i think she actually goes missing like for a couple of weeks and she actually turns up uh, march 31st um calls selena says hey 
I've been raped in Mexico. I was in Monterey trying to get, you know, all the, you know, the financial records. I had them like in a safety deposit box, you know, at this bank. And, you know, I just so happened to get caught up with this, like gang, these gang of this gang of men that just kept continuing, like beating me up and raping me and stuff. Like, Hey, I'm back in Texas. Can you take me to a clinic? So Selena being the kind soul that she is, takes Yolanda to a clinic and, I don't, I'm not familiar with the whole like, you know, rape test kit or whatever, whatnot, but like everything that I kept reading or whatever was either saying that like the, none of the doctors can find any evidence of like rape or whatever, or they would say like there's not enough here to, you know, pursue an actual like rape, rape, te- rape kit test or whatever to, you know, continue this investigation. Basically, the doctors were kind of giving selena like the heads up like yeah she's she's lying about this somehow some way like i i don't know all the details of it but it was just like every everything that i would read would just indicate that like no they weren't finding any evidence like of a a raping or a beating at all that occurred like two days earlier in mexico wow of a beating so she didn't have any bruises like you would think you would at least do like that whole thing where you put like an orange in a sock and like beat yourself up like 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 Jim Carrey and Liar Liar or something like that? Is that from Liar Liar? I think so. Like where he beats uh, himself up in the bathroom? I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. He beats uh, himself up in the bathroom so he doesn't have to go back to court. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was Way Into Excel where I got that from. <laughs> the fuck? Don't they do that in Way Into Excel? I don't know. I've never seen that movie. So. Um, <laughs> Orange and a sock? Yeah. Where they beat themselves. Or Full Metal Jacket with the soap in the sock? Yeah, something like that. Okay. That's in there. Anyways... Yeah, I'm surprised like she went to that extreme of going to a doctor, getting checked out, and like not putting like a bruise on yourself at all. Like I'm not mm-hmm. saying throw yourself off a building or throw yourself down a flight of stairs, but at least like, you know, put a sock in it, put a, a, a bar of put soap a in it. Put a sock in it, yeah. Put a sock in it, lady. <laughs> <laughs> no, no I, yeah, I know. That's what kind of like put that in motion, like that whole Trump comparison where like she's so narcissistic that she thinks – that she's so good at lying and controlling the situation that she can put one over on some medical professionals. Trump never lied. <laughs> I feel like is the least Latina thing about Selena, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I would have been like, what? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like dude, that all these lies after lies after lies, I, I would have been like, Oh hell no. Like I've had enough, like mm-hmm. hoop earrings off. Like I just would have been like, <laughs> and she was wearing off. hoop earrings too. I would have my nails like in her face and been like, no, that's enough. Boom. Get out. <laughs> Damn you, Dara. Um, but I actually nail biter. That would never happen. But uh, it's the same here <laughs> though. Uh, but <laughs> whatever happened after that, you know, they go back to uh, Yolanda's hotel room where she was promising Selena, like this is, Hey, I, even though I got raped and beat or whatever. And the doctor said, I didn't, you know, Hey, I, I got all these records for you at the, um, the motel room that I'm staying at. So they go back to the motel, the motel room and then whatever happens there you know which is a shady as fuck days in like yeah. it is i thought that too who goes there yeah. Stop being polite ladies you're gonna get murdered yeah. yeah i was like what the fuck when i saw that so in my mind i always assumed it was like some like at least a fucking holiday inn or something like that like she's on like the fourth floor you know like whatever Padre Hotel on Baker Street, like, but she's at the fucking Days Inn, mm-hmm. which like apparently was like in a really run down area that it went out of business and it became the Nights Inn now. By the way, okay, but, like, like it was just like come on the Days Inn in the middle of nowhere. That they built like a giant hotel next to it now, but like mm-hmm. at the time there was nothing near it. 
pretty creepy. Don't go in that building. Yeah, I mean, and maybe the maybe it was like a twenty three year old thing. Like our previous episode about Lars Matunk, like you put yourself like in those situations, yeah, being yeah. like a twenty eight year old man or whatever. Like I've done some stupid, questionable stuff too. Like at twenty two, twenty five. Uh, before this podcast, we're talking about how I went to a place in the middle of nowhere. Luckily, I didn't find my uh, girlfriend's head in a box at all, like the movie Seven. I'm not saying I look like Brad Pitt, but anyways, Selena finds herself at a day's in in a shady area or whatever. And, you know, whatever Yolanda says happened, well, we do know what happened was is that, you know, Selena, you know, is shot in the back of her shoulder blade and is bleeding completely out. She runs 392 feet um, to. Uh, the the motel's office, and you know, like with her last breaths, she's saying like, "Hey, Yolanda shot me. She's in this room. Quick, lock the doors. Like she's coming after me." And multiple witnesses say that like Yolanda was like full on like coming out like fucking Clint Eastwood of her motel room and like saying, "Bitch, get back over here." And like you know, all the hotel staff were like trying to like you know they did, at first they didn't know who it was. They just thought it was just some random lady that just had gotten shot or whatever, which is terrifying in itself, you know, just to see that happening. And but when they realized it was Selena, like they were like, "Oh no, fuck that!" Like trying to pr- protect her. I believe like four or five people were like on the phone with nine one one, and you can he- on one nine one one call that I heard like on a podcast. They were, they, you can actually hear like somebody in the background is like, oh my God, the lady's coming and she's screaming like, where is that bitch? Like, like you can physically like on record hear them giving a play by play account of fucking Yolanda, like looking for Selena. That's crazy. Like shout out to podcasts that do that. I always feel pretty sketched out when podcasts like take those things. Cause I always feel like these are like people's last moments of life. Mm-hmm. Like I always it seems very like low brow and I'm a pretty low brow kind of guy. That's true. But that one is You uh, don't clean. Yeah. I don't clean. <laughs> I not clean, but I don't know like how people like choose to like, just throw in that, you know, sample in there. I am not going to do it, but I'm just going to give you the play by play on it. Um like it's we scary too. I mean, you know she was running away because the bullet entered from like her back, right? From her shoulder. Yeah, correct. Into like her chest. So she was she was running. Yeah, and what's really fucked up about like the way she got shot is I was looking at you know some of like the medical records on it, and they said like the actual doctor said like if it was an inch higher or an inch lower, like I, I believe like the the artery it hit, she would have survived, like no doubt. But it hit like I heard that on the radio, like after everything, and it I swear to God, this whole thing like. It was like a breakup, like a bad breakup where like, you're like, okay, okay, I've recovered. I'm, I'm, I moved on from sweatpants to I'm wearing jeans. Now I'm going, <laughs> I'm getting up and showering today. Yeah. And they would hit you with something new. And it was like, oh, just grief mm-hmm. all over again. Like, I remember hearing that on the radio and being like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Like, no. And what sucks is it's just like, it, it. it's almost like Yolanda, like, with no mind you no gun experience or whatever like just like hit like that sharpshooter of a spot like it was like a one in a million shot like it was like you hear like the conspiracies of like you know john f kennedy like oh it's a magic bullet or whatever like and that's when you're reading like the the medical account of like what happened you're like oh my god like it's pretty much like the magic bullet or whatever and it's just like 
how the, how the fuck was she able to accomplish this? You know, and Yolanda goes on to say like, oh, it was an accident. Selena was trying to save me from killing myself because, you know, her father was out to kill me or, you know, she was, she changes her story again. And she says that like the men from Mexico were after her and, or she was just over everything. And she was just, she just wanted to end it all right then and there. And it's just like, well, how do you explain, you know, a shot in her back? Like if that's going on, everything you're telling me, like, how do you explain a shot in the back? And then you like with multiple accounts of hotel staff saying like, you're running after her, like saying, where is that bitch? Yeah. And then that standoff with her in the car was uh, a little more incriminating as well, where she was just like not getting out. And that became like the Mexican OJ trial or like, you know, the <laughs> yeah the chase, the OJ chase where she's like just sitting in a, in the days in parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. That was intense. That was like, everybody watched that mm. everybody well i that was my 10th birthday march 31st wow and i there was like a carnival at school that day and my mom didn't always trust people i wasn't allowed to go to like sleepovers or stay too late at school and like she was like okay it's your birthday you can stay for the carnival and i was like sweet like and i remember like i remember like every detail like the boy that i liked hung out with me that day at the carnival and Aww. i was like oh this is all <laughs> And then, like, I went to get in the car, and my parents and I had had this big discussion after the Astrodome concert. I got a recording of it, like a bootleg, and um, and I was obsessed with it, you know. And I was like, "When am I going to get to go see her? Her crossover album is going to come out. I have to be there." My parents were like, "Well, we'll talk about it. You're still young. You're going to be ten soon, and so maybe when you're ten, you might be old enough, and we can take you to a concert." And I was like, "Sweet, I'm going. Like, that's." That's what they're going to say. They're going to be like, okay, for your birthday, we'll take you to the next one. And when I went to get in the car, when my mom picked me up, um, I got in and the the tone in the car, I was just like, is everything okay? I went from like instantly, like, you know, being really happy to like, what's wrong? And she was like, I don't want you to freak out. Like, I know you're a drama queen. She was like, I know how this is going to go, but something terrible happened today. And like, it's fine if you cry, but you need to remember to relax and it's going to be okay. And I was like, okay. And then she turned on the radio. Oh. It was like, Selena, muerto, you know, like, like she's dead, she's dead, she's dead. And I was like, in Spanish. And I was like, what? And it was like, after like, you know, the shooting, blah, blah. And I just sat on the ride home, just like silently sobbing, my head just really low and just feeling sick to my stomach and then getting home. And my parents, my dad had the TV going and then like, we're watching the rest of it unfold. And I'm just so like everything, right? Angry, confused. There's no talking about it yet. We're just watching. And I'm like, I hate this. Like, I hate you. I'm watching the TV and I'm thinking like, I hate you. And my mom's like, no, like we can't hate people. That's not right either. Like Mm -hmm. what would Selena do kind of thing? And I'm just like, (laughs) Like, I didn't even know, it's like a child not knowing, like, I want her to die. Like, no, I don't want people to die. Like, death is what's causing my heartbreak right now, you know? Like, it was so confusing. Mm -hmm. It really was. And I feel like I was really dark after that. I was, like, very noticed. Like, my parents have even, like, confirmed. They're like, yeah, you kind of died that day. Like, it's so weird. I, I just remember it so vividly, like everyone watching that. Because it's like and a piece like of you dying. I mean, that's how I would relate to it. Because it's like when you have that connection to somebody. I mean, yeah, 
on paper it's like it's just a celebrity you never met or whatever but like when it means like that much more to you you know like we mm-hmm. reference this whole like two hours whatever long this podcast has been like a little piece of you dies you know like i had that moment with tupac you know like i mean that's probably more intense with you with selena because you could probably relate more to selena but i just remember that same thing that same feeling too like when tupac passed like just crying for weeks you know and just like because all those like same similarities that you find in these people like where it's just like no one gets you but they're like this person this person will and then like somebody like rips that from you like that's that's a very like you said a very dark place to be in especially as a child and two boxes really traumatic as well i mean i think it's that like out of nowhere like what, what the hell just happened and you're a child yeah. too, and like people aren't supposed to die. Like usually, people like first experiences with death. Like it's usually like a grandparent or a mm-hmm. great grandparent. I, I believe like I had one great grandparent at that time, and like they were still alive. You know, like when Selena, because Selena and Tupac kind of like die like within like a few months of each other. Um, that like that one great grandparent, like he was still alive. So I had never experienced death before. So like when you're first experience with death is like not just some like distant great grandparent you met like once at like a thanksgiving or whatever no it's like this person that you put every day into like that's really traumatic as a child yeah it was intense and just that everything she did that yolanda did was like like confusing because like you said the lies too bad like okay fine fine you did all this and we had to watch you be pathetic and sit in the car and like put on the yolanda show because she made it about her at that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that same podcast, they played, like, you know, clips of her. Because, I mean, it lasted for nine and a half hours, like, the standoff or whatever. And, like, you would hear clips of her talking, like, to, you know, the the police officers and the FBI agents, like, the negotiators or whatever to come out of the car. And it was always about, again, like, Trump. It was everybody else's fault but hers. And uh, it was all about her. Like, I'm going through so much right now. Oh, blah, 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 blah. She never knew how much I loved her. Like, everything was about her. And, like, that's, like, the sickening part. And I think that's why she's even more vilified just because of, like, just, like, just take the hell. Like, you killed someone. Like, just someone that everybody loved. Not just you. You know what I'm saying? It's just, like, I think that's why she gets vilified. And she does. I mean, she gets, you know pretty quickly convicted you know and gets life in prison i believe she's not even going to be eligible for her first parole hearing until 2025 so five years from now i mean this all happened like what 25 years ago and we're still we're sitting here at 2020 she's still got five years to go before she even has you know a parole hearing the manson family girls like they've had like multiple hearings within that time period and you know yolanda rightfully so you know she's not going to get one until 2025 the thing too, I feel like just, I feel like she owes everyone an explanation. Like, just say the truth out loud. Just say it. And, and she won't. Of course she won't, because that's her only mystery. That's the only way she'll go down in the history books, right? Because it, it's about her. Like, she has that yeah. attachment. And then one thing I, I saw this morning, actually, and it was kind of making me sick. Like, I was um, waiting to, you know, go grocery shopping and I was waiting for the store to open up. And, you know, I was like just doing some extra research. And like she's put, she's starting to put it out there now that she has this big secret, you know, that's that would rock every Selena fan. That you know, that's this the true reason why you know she ac- accidentally shot her was because like she was having a secret affair with a plastic surgeon in in Mexico, and like that's why you know she did what she did so she can preserve her legacy or whatever. And I was just like, come on, bitch! Like, <laughs> it, I mean, is any secret that she could have? 
had like been worth like killing someone or no like unless like her secret was like that she was a murderer or something like <laughs> I don't know it, that she it, was a Democrat that was draining children of their adrenochrome and no <laughs> um but you know like she does seem like it's very like egocentric and like very much everything has to be about her mm-hmm. and like. I don't know. I do think that, like, especially, like, Latin media now, the fact that they still pay a lot of attention to her, mm-hmm. I think is more of a disservice. Like, I'm sure, like, they're slow news days or whatever. But, I mean, why keep showing up at this point? It's been 25 years. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's more of, like, a thing where it's like, this is fake news. Like, you know, yeah. speaking of trouble. But it's one of those things where it's like, I, I mean, but you said you wanted closure. I had never heard someone say that before. And so maybe that's why they're doing that for. I mean, I, I'm I'm coming at this whole thing from like an outsider's perspective, like, um, but maybe she should apologize. <laughs> I don't know. I have I have no idea. I honestly don't. I feel like anyone who just grieves feels that way. Mm-hmm. Like the why, right? But I don't think I don't think it's worth. She's never gonna. There is no why with her because yeah, she's not. She's not like us there's something not right in her brain i don't think that forgives her excuses her in any way because get a fucking therapist right like chill um but it's just i just it's like just stop fucking lying just stop fucking talking yeah that's what it is i don't want to fucking hear you talk anymore it's like you've done enough and that's the only mark you've made on the world yeah so go away now go hide in your corner because your 10 minutes is up like you should have never had it, but like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't really have any mercy for her. I'm a Latina. I'm gonna be pissed forever about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna bring it up twenty years from now. I'm gonna be like, remember the time you killed Selena? Yeah. Like I don't care. She's just people like that are just. I'm glad that she's far away where she can't hurt other people. That's true. Um, I'll be very interested interested to see in five years what happens. You know that'll be on the news. Yeah. Um, real quick, just to you know, wrap up this episode. You know, the aftermath of all this. Um, you know, April first. You know, they have you know their um the public viewing of Selena, and I guess there was like a conspiracy that the casket was uh, empty, and so Abraham you know opened up the casket, and they had a full you know viewing. And about seven, they say somewhere between forty to seventy-five thousand people in Corpus, you know, from all over, but, you know, within Corpus Christi, you know, at this viewing, you know, viewed her casket. Um, April 3rd, you know, they had a private funeral, but it was secretly broadcast over the radio um, from as far as, you know, you know, China, or not China, Japan, like they were getting, you know, that feed, you know, from her private funeral. Um, They also had a special mass at the LA Sports Arena, the place where the Clippers used to play. very large arena where, you know, 4,000 people attended in LA. Um, she was actually scheduled to do like some kind of performance at that arena, like in April, right? Correct. And, um, and then, uh, there was like a special edition of like people magazine and it was the first time in history. The first time people magazine, pretty big publication. The first time that they actually sold out of issues and they actually um, issued out a special commemorative issue. Now, this is before Princess Diana and whatnot, right? They put it, like, the first time in their history, put a special commemorative issue. That also sells out. 
Um, it, it prompts, you know, People Magazine to start, you know, um, People Magazine in Espanol, um, Newsweek in Espanol, and then like Latina Magazine. Um, April 16th, uh, George W. Bush, um, the second worst president of all time. Um, but <laughs> he, you know, he actually does something cool. You know, while he's governor of Texas, um, he declares April 16th, you know, Selena Day, which I, some people were saying like that actually fell like on an Easter Sunday. Um, and he said, Selena represented the essence of South Texas culture. And, you know, he again declares it, you know, <laughs> Selena Day of that day. Um, july 18th dreaming of youth that that crossover album that was being you know her whole career was leading up to actually debuts number one not on the latin charts not only on you know the spanish charts or whatever or the regional charts or whatever but debuts number one first time in history that you know somebody who had passed away within that year releases their newest album and it goes right to number one and at the same time, all of her previous records are all concurrently within the top 10. Uh, it goes on to sell, um, I believe, 6 million records. It goes six times platinum. Um, her legacy goes on. You know, she has, she's in every, sing, every single conceivable Hall of Fame, you know, minus the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yet. Um, she's on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, the United States Post Office, you know, has, you know, commemorative stamps for her. Um, there's a very famous movie that we've been referencing all over this podcast, you know, the 1997, you know, J-Lo movie about Selena's life. I used to tell people that I was a little boy that she pulls up on stage and dances <laughs> with her. People oh believed God. it I kinda for many it. years. I kind of believe it. Uh, but that movie, again, you know, reach, you know, further, you know, elongates her legacy because I remember... I actually owned that DVD, not because I bought it, but because that movie was on TV a few years later after it was released. And my mom was watching it, getting ready for bed, and she was watching it the whole time and started crying. And she buys it for me for like, you know, like whatever holiday was up, like Easter or Christmas or whatever. And she goes, I just thought this was a really good movie and I really think that you should watch it. And I was like, Mom, Dad used to show me this shit all the time. Like, I know who <laughs> Selena is. Like, I have the CDs, they're right here or whatever. But, you know, my 60-year-old, like, white as shit mom, you know, like, fucking loves that movie. And in turn, ends up liking some of her music because, you know, the following holiday, you know, I show her, you know, the music. She's like, I really love it. I don't know what the hell she's singing about, but I, this is, I like this music. And, you know, she, you know, her legacy keeps living on with, you know, the Selena Boutique is still a thing. You can still buy, you know, Selena clothing, um, MAC makeup. Um, they actually released a line of makeup that sells out instantly. Um, what was it? Like 2016 did this, you know, makeup comes out. Yeah. People are, you know, buying it years, decades after she, her passing. And it just goes on. Um, I think they discontinued her favorite, like, lipstick, too, at, like, her honor or something like that, I want to say. Oh, like retiring a jersey or something like that? Yeah, I think, um, I can't remember what brand it was, but her favorite, like, shade or whatever was, like, discontinued, too. Nice. And then I think that was like healing though. It was like people getting into her after her death, like again that morning, like for people like me who were just like, oh my God. And then people really liking her and everyone like rising up to become fans was this uplifting kind of feeling. Yeah, it's poetic. You know, everything she ever wanted. It, again, like I said, God put her on this earth for a specific reason. You know, you mentioned in, in Jess saying like, what would Selena do? But I think that is a real thing. Like for her 23, again, she died. She accomplished all this very young in life. 
and at 23 she passes away and she's i'm 35 she's accomplished way more than i will ever do if i live to be like 89 or whatever um but like her 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 life is gonna her legacy is gonna live on forever and it kind of reminds me of like the movie coco like the whole premise of the movie coco like you never really die if you're never really forgotten you know and like that's what i just kept thinking in my head it's just like yeah it's like the movie coco like you know as the years go on it just seems like she gets even more and more popular, which is to me beautiful. It's only right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, if you have to find beauty in the situation or, you know, kind of highlight some positives, her last show, it's almost like looking back on it, it's like, of, co- of course this happened after that show. It's like we were tempting the fates. That show was flawless. It was heavenly. It was like, it was otherworldly. Yeah. From beginning, first shot, first note to the very end. I wasn't even there. And it was like, holy shit. Yeah. I still feel that way when I watch it. Like I have to watch it by myself because I don't like cry. I don't cry. We don't cry in my family. (laughs) But I'm going to cry every time. I'm going to sob uncontrollably like that's my therapy is just like that was so beautiful okay and it's one of those performances it's like queen i believe it was like at rite aid like their signature performance was you know the rite aid performance you know like the beatles live aid but yeah yeah the live aid yeah not not the pharmacy whatever (laughs) live aid (laughs) queen at rite aid parking lot comes you know free ice cream for the first 500 friends really was yeah that was that same that last hurrah and 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 it it begs the question is there some kind of like, do they know? Do they feel it? Like when they go on stage, this is the last one? Because as a, as a singer, like, you know, I've, I've sang with like pneumonia where I'm like in the car, I don't want to do the show. And then I get on stage and I give it my all and then I go die in the car later. Yeah. And you, and you play every single show. You know how it is. You always give your all because people are showing up to watch you. Yep. They want to be entertained. They want to forget Monday through Friday, right? So you give it your all. But there's something else about that Astrodome show and people listening if you haven't seen it do yourself a favor and and look it up it's like it's life-changing even at the simplest like when you listen to it like I was uh, I took down like a, um, some stuff off the wall uh, the last week or whatever and I was listening to just listening to it on Apple music that live performance and it's just to me I think live albums are usually like somebody's you know an artist's like worst albums because you know you're not you don't have the right pitch or something's off or whatever, but no, this is like, it was like a church experience. It was like, it was even better than the, the actual, you know, studio recordings of her music. Like that's super rare to begin with. And considering everything that we just talked about, you know, like with the controlling father, all the shit going on with Yolanda and the businesses and, you know, the stress of, you know, just everything that she has going on around her, to, to be able to knock it out of the park like that, like that is something like, just otherworldly in my opinion she gave herself to her fans yep everyone loved her but she loved everyone back just as much which is like how do you do that with strangers only through the arts i couldn't do it <laughs> i can't do it i'm trying <laughs> i'm trying it's not it's not happening <laughs> yeah it, yeah yeah and like the fact that she died so young i think that there's a point in, in when when you're when you're young you don't know what like limits you have when you get older, you might, like, start to, like, give in a little bit. Like, ah, I can't do that shit. Like, wh- whatever. Like, 
But when you're young and you have like that, like only 22 years old, like you know everybody believes that they're still gonna like be the next big thing at 22 years old. And she was the next big thing. Like there was no limits to like like what she could do. And the fact that even like the whole like clothing brand thing, like that's so like ahead of its time now. Like like so so ahead of its time then and like now it's like a lot of people have like clothing brands like every like rapper that just has one song like little Nas X has shoes now mm-hmm. and like Travis Scott has a burger now it's like <laughs> yeah. like it's like come on dude like pump the brakes like let me see you have a little <laughs> bit lo- of a longevity in your career yeah. before you start going down that path but you know she did it like way back when when like there wasn't social media and there wasn't like, a, a desire for it and like the fact that she did that was like the extra power like even more so powerful because she was like a uh, latina and she was doing it and like creating colors that were like not based for like the stereotypical like white woman colors that would you know suit their like skin tone but it was like mm-hmm. here's some uh makeup brands that are like for the latin woman's like which was like groundbreaking for its time you know like even like the clothing was like Here's not your stereotypical thing that you can get at Mervins or whatever was popular right there. Like, <laughs> bugle, here's some Bugle her, Boy pants. Her earrings and her nails. Like, I being a Latina, like my my parents were like, you're never having nails, like long nails like that. Like they would see like you know what cholas, which is like mm-hmm. you know gang members or whatever. And it was like, uh, uh-uh, you're not gonna have huge hoop earrings and nails like that. We don't do that. But then Selena came around. And classic. she had like, long nails, long red nails, and huge hoop earrings. And I was like, I want hoop earrings for Christmas. Like, I'm getting hoop earrings. I'm the biggest earrings in the world. And even then, I want, I'm want. i a tomboy, and I wanted huge long nails. And my mom was like, all right, okay. I'm cool with the hoop earrings, but the nails, you're going to break a nail. It's going to hurt. Trust me. No, too much. Like, you got to play <laughs> softball. Softball nails don't mix. But I, I got the hoop earrings, and it was like, she changed that. You know, it was seen as one way, and then it's like tattoos now are okay, but at the time they weren't. It's that evolution of that style she made of her own. Correct. Which will live forever. If you believe the movie Coco, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, uh, do you guys have anything else? I mean, I think I mean to land on you know the last performance is you know only appropriate. Um, but Art, do you have anything else? You dare? Do you have anything else going on? No, I just thanks guys for um, for having me on and making me feel so welcome. No, thank you because uh, I I really wanted to have a guest for this and you exceeded all expectations for me. So I think if uh, you get another DM uh, a few weeks down the line asking to come on for another episode, don't be surprised. Slide on into my DMs. Go for it. When we do a smiley face killers part two, there you go. I'll start researching tonight. <laughs> I need a good night's sleep, so there you I go. appreciate the, ref, the, the recommendation. There you go. So with that said, everybody, make sure you follow us on all the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America. Except for Twitter, we are at Art and Jacob Do A1. For whatever reason, Twitter thinks we like steak sauce. Um, but please make sure you go to our T Public website where you can find all of our merch. It's not as classy as Selena's merch, but hey, It'll do. One of our um, our uh, our uh, logos is designed by the great and powerful Nicole Smith Bosch. You can check out her designs. You know, speaking of you know strong independent, independent women designing clothes and stuff, at Sucre Apparel at sucreapparel.com. Uh, make sure you um, 
go to our Patreon, you know, sign up for our Patreon where you can get, you know, uh, extra episodes. Uh, before this episode, we recorded a bonus episode with Yudera as well. So if, you, if you're loving Yudera like we're loving Yudera, you know, you can hear some more Yudera on our Patreon. You know, sign up for $1, $5, $10. Hell, give us $30. I don't care. I'm not Yolanda Saldivar. I won't steal your money. I'll give you... <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. I'll give you. I'll give. I'll hook you up with some sh- with with some shit. I'm sending out Christmas cards to all of our patrons too because I got these new three inch stickers now. I was sending out like one inch stickers before, but we got that techo money now, so I'm like send you out some three inch stickers and shit. So um, go there. Uh, we are official members of the Podbelly Network. I need to be better about shouting them out. Shout out to them. Shout out to Brent, man. We've been. Me and Brent have been going back and forth uh, about some conspiracy theories and. Oh really? Yeah, we've been like geeking out about like our conspiracy theories that we keep under our under our belt because we're scared to say them out loud. <laughs> we don't want the general public to think that we're some whack wackadoos. Yeah, some tinfoil hatists. Uh, yeah. So speaking of Brent, um, make sure you check out the world famous Sofa King podcast. They are a local podcast from Bakersfield, as well as our sisters from the We're Not Sure Yet podcast. Who are just like Art and Jacob do America, except the girl version of it. But taller. Um, and taller, yeah. I'm, I'm short Oaxacan over here. Uh, <laughs> like Yolanda Salabar. Anyways, um, also, too, um, you got Ectoplasm. You got Paranormal Punchers. Other great podcasts. There are my homie Eddie from the RRBG podcast. He's probably uh, interviewing Jimmy Page or uh, Robert Plant from Lev Zeppelin next week or something. I don't know. He's always doing big things. Lordy. Hell, yeah. He's my favorite podcast on the network. So with that said, everybody... Once again, Yudera, thank you for coming on. Have a good night. Have a good night. Have a good night.